Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. Welcome back. Oh, yes. Uh, thank you. I was uh, in St. Louis. St. Louis uh, class reunion? It was my 10-year high school reunion. Very you exciting. class of 2000? Yes. You? Class of 99. Oh, oh man. You just beat us. Um, You're a freshman. I'm a sophomore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was great. Um, it was a lot more fun. Like, I kind of thought it would be like, this would be funny, right? You yeah. know? Like, I'm going to go back and see all these people that I didn't even like the first time around. Did you go back with a girlfriend? I brought my girlfriend back. Um, and let me tell you, it was nice. a blast for her. Nice. I'm sure. <laughs> um, Did you see any old girlfriends? No. I'm going to say no. No. Yeah, no. Um, no old any old crushes. Hmm. Maybe right, but none that were like. I still get the itch. I oh no, I, I don't have any of those. <laughs> right, my it's girlfriend like, is the greatest uh, girlfriend in the world. Yeah, but there could be people that it's like, oh, I'm totally over that that thing from the past. But then you like run into someone, you're like, right? They walk into the reunion, everything goes into slow motion. <laughs> Not even that. <laughs> like it's just Vaseline like, on the lens. It's like, uh, away. oh, uh, that person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's it? What's a song that would be? Well, I guess if it were the '90s, then she'd walk in slow motion and be do 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 do, or uh, "Beautiful People" by Marilyn Manson. But it, what about <laughs> the uh, dope show? But then who wants lots it? of pretty, pretty one? What were you gonna say, Tyler? Are you gonna introduce me? <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> do I need to? Okay. Yeah, any, uh, yeah uh, I was in I was in St. Louis. Um, yeah, I thought it would be fun uh, in kind of a like funny way but then mm. i ended up seeing some of the people that i actually did really like and hadn't seen in 10 years and it was actual fun you enjoyed it in a completely unironic way yeah i had the uh, same experience with my high school you went to last, yours last summer yeah 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 well let's uh our guest uh for those if you if you're a new listener you might not know that voice if you're an old school listener everyone knows the voice of josh Fadum. if you're an old school listener you're not listening to this episode anyway because you saw his name in the description <laughs> oh that's <laughs> what that's Ouchie! a joke of course Got a little ointment for that burn you just gave me? <laughs> yeah, this has been, before we recorded, this is just a, a cavalcade of Tyler being mean to Josh. <laughs> it's fun, though, right, yeah. Josh? And then me thinking, did I really say something wrong just then? <laughs> I thought we were having a candid discussion. I thought I was just getting primed to be open and honest for the podcast. Which is which is what I want. Uh, I don't know no. why. I, w- I take one week off, suddenly Tyler and I are at loggerheads about how the show should be conducted. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention, you and I, oh, man, we were at odds about... Uh, uh, an episode series that we are going to do sometime in the future. We yeah. are very, uh, very opposed, but now we're on the same we'll talk. Page. We'll talk about that later. Yes. So yes. Josh, Josh Fadum, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back. Well, you were last on for the summer movie preview, I think. So that was a few months ago, I Back guess? in June, I think we did that. Okay. How'd um, that work out for you, the summer movies? I don't think any of it worked out. No, you know what? You and I talked... I want to I hear about your... I actually do want to hear about your high school reunion in a second. Oh, okay. But... During the high school, um, or high school <laughs> during the summer movie preview, we talked about Scott Pilgrim. I think we were both looking forward to it. I think I was I th- whatever about it. I ended up loving it. How did you? How did you feel about it? I ended up enjoying it. Yeah, and I did not. I, I wouldn't say I was like. I wouldn't say I was like. This is a second coming movie. Uh, it sets sets the whole cinema on fire. It feels like to me. Maybe I'm too much of like an old school like movie guy and have trouble embracing. The, the direction that things are going in, but the whole movie, it just like, rather than feeling like a really um, 
great piece of filmmaking felt like a great piece of uh, editing on Final Cut or something like that. Like someone had all the nice tricks, you know. And well, you got to step really into the 21st century here, Josh. That's, well, yeah. I'm having a hard time with it. I guess that's my. I guess I'm trying to the give old it a razor criticism. blade splice ain't gonna work anymore, man. I'm, I'm giving it a criticism, but then I'm criticizing myself for the criticism. Okay. So for those Scott Pilgrim lovers out there, I accept that. Well, okay, no, but here's my other criticism: is that uh, uh, there were parts that felt like it. It was just like, okay, so he's got some more fights to go that he's going to win, and how are we going to keep this interesting? It felt more like watching someone actually play a video game hmm. at certain points than it did but, watching a movie. Uh, but I did think that sure Jason Schwartzman gave one of his best performances in a long time. I've never been a huge fan of him. I haven't either, not since Rushmore, but I thought he was really good in this. Did you not care for him in uh, Scott Pilgrim, David? Yeah, I think he did what was called for. Okay. That's what I'd Maybe say. he was well cast. Chris me, Evans, on the other hand, was a delight. Chris, uh, standout of the film for me was Kieran Culkin, actually. Oh, yeah, me hmm. too. I like him a lot. Um, but here's the thing about the fights. I've heard that complaint before, but I guess... It depends on what you like about movies, because to me, I'm I, I'm not sure who I'm paraphrasing here, but there's there's a reason motion pictures are called motion pictures, and to me, that sort of kineticism is what movies are good at. So it maybe it I can see it maybe divorcing you from the story a little bit, but I feel like but I feel like the story is still injected into the fights, but the fights on their own, apart from the story, I uh, I thought were uh, were really artful and innovative and well done. But does and that I- is this not? Is a good fight scene not something you look for in a movie? Well, maybe, I mean, not, not, maybe, I mean obviously uh, Kramer versus Kramer. Let me not tell you, have. like my theory of a good fight scene is one that you are invested in, uh, uh, one where you're like, oh man, like it's really important to me that you know uh, my my favorite guy beats this bad guy because the stakes are this, mm-hmm. you know, like he's fighting for a reason. And in this movie, it's like, well, he's fighting for the same reason every time, and it's just like watching the same thing over and over again, but just with, like, a different... So you couldn't... I feel like we had this exact same conversation, I want to say with Pat Healy, mm. where I brought up Master of the Flying Guillotine, and the, just as an example of those types of movies, uh-huh. um, which are full of cool fights with, like, cool ideas. Like, there's the one they're fighting in the room, the, the like, one-room shack that has a tin floor, and then someone lights a fire underneath, so the floor gets hot, so they're fighting barefoot on a hot floor that's a a clever idea and fun to see it play out but you're saying you'd have to that kind of stuff doesn't is not important to you you're more about the characters the motivation um i don't know i wish i could think of a movie that i that that i haven't seen master of the flying guillotine but i wish i could think of an example of like I don't know. Scott Pilgrim's not super fresh in my memory either anymore, mm-hmm. which maybe that says something about how I felt about it too. Right. But uh, uh, I guess I could say you know I watched it and I enjoyed it, and I was like, oh, that's neat. That's 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 funny. That's cute. That's fun. But I'm not like, oh, it's the best movie of the year. It is right now my favorite movie of the year. Really? Yeah. It is my fourth favorite movie of the year. Uh-huh. I think it's. Yeah. I, I think at, at its heart, once you. Uh, even if you strip away all the the gimmickry, although I don't think the gimmickry is superfluous to the story, it is just a really great coming-of-age story. I, I liked the... Uh, you said this before, um, like, you saw the movie where it's like learning to get over someone's past. Yeah. I like that theme. Yeah, but it, 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 but it, tur- it turned out the movie is also learning to get over your own past, or learning to be a grown-up. 
Mm-hmm. I think the movie was less a love story than I had expected it to be, and more about a guy who was kind of a self-involved asshole mm-hmm. learning that he shouldn't be. And I'm not saying by the end of the movie that he isn't still kind of an asshole. I, I think he is, but I think he's learned that that stuff that was him as a teenager is in the past, and he's got to take the first steps toward becoming an adult now. That, that's what I took away from the end of the movie. Um Two things that I'll say about it that I liked uh, that stuck with me. One is that uh, afterwards I was real jumpy around, and I was—I mm-hmm. think I was like—and I—and I was like, "Yeah, fight, fight!" And I had some good fight moves in me, so that must say something for what the movie did. And uh, I forgot what the other thing I was going to say. Oh, I remember every everyone in the movie seemed to every character seemed to have a thing that they were like after or something they wanted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, in on you know so as far as that goes, I was like, oh well, that's cool. Like, yeah. everyone was after something. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, yeah. now well, now tell me about your but high for some you. reason <laughs> I don't know. I wish I could put my finger on why it wasn't like why it didn't stick with me as like well, I'm, I'm not offended or anything. Movie, you know, <laughs> um, but I've had this like a s- discussion before. It's almost like a discussion. Like I don't have the energy to even say like. Yeah, it's not that great, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or uh, like, I just don't. I haven't even had the energy. I haven't had the energy to have the discussion of I didn't like it or I did like it with anyone. That's kind of like uh, I just didn't care that much. I, I I really enjoy Scott Pilgrim, but I was kind of that way about uh, Avatar last year because, as as listeners know, I didn't really care for it. Um, I did a I did a whole episode of More Than One Lesson about Avatar in which I talked myself into hating it. I didn't know I hated it at the beginning, and then at the end, I'm like, oh geez, I really hate this movie. Um, and then once I recorded that, I just I just kept saying like, just go and listen to my episode. I, I, I don't have the energy for this. <laughs> yeah, I hated Avatar and don't have the energy to tell people why. No one cares anyway. Yeah, that I didn't like it. It is very difficult to. Why, not why sound would like... anyone give a shit about that? This like one of the most successful movies of all time. But that me one guy didn't like it, and why? No, this is Josh Fadum of Thirty Rock. Let's right. <laughs> let's go back to a time before Avatar was released in theaters. Josh, you're home in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for your 10-year high school reunion. Uh-huh. How was it? Excuse me. Uh, shit, I don't remember. Because I don't know that there's... Uh, I guess I want to know... At that point, your 30 Rock would not have aired, right? No. I hadn't shot it yet. You hadn't even shot it yet. But yeah. you'd been on Arena 911 at that point. Uh, it's yeah. always sunny in Philadelphia. A, uh, yeah. I don't weeds. think anyone knew the... That's knew. what I was wondering. Did anyone say, hey, I saw you on... Maybe, TV? like, one or two people. Maybe, they like, did. a friend of mine or something like oh, that. Okay. Yeah. But I don't think... Or maybe people said, what have you been up to? You know? And, oh, I'm okay. But I don't, like... I didn't, like, list off my credits or anything like that. Right. But I, I you know, I said I was a comedian and... And did know. they say, like, well, you were the class clown. Some it people, makes sense. Sometimes. Some people. <laughs> I think I even, you know, I had a couple drinks and, and did a couple goofy things uh, <laughs> uh, where I stole the focus. Like... In my in my th- mind, high school was always a very disorganized place, and where like <laughs> the um, people of authority were actually very disorganized. And so, rather than doing work, I spent a lot of time trying to point that out to distract from having to do work. You know, like, <laughs> can you believe how poorly this ship is run? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and and then like, and then I wouldn't have to turn in my homework or something. Like that. <laughs> Uh, and and I felt like the reunion was a lot of that too because there would be like a DJ malfunction or really 
I don't know, something like that. Did they assign homework for the reunion? Because I don't think they have the authority to do that. Whatever the reunion equivalent of homework is or something. Oh, like, okay. I, they made everyone pay their dues or something like that. <laughs> uh, to pay a certain amount of chunk of money to get in. And so, of course, my t- was a well, no one even told me I had to pay the money beforehand. So I think I should get to pay whatever the original amount was. You know, because, like, okay, if you, you have to pay by January or, you know, this amount by January. And if you don't pay by then, then you have to pay this much extra by April. And then you have to pay this much extra by December. And then if you don't pay right before the reunion, then you have to pay a shitload of money. And it's like, so, of course, I just said, like, well, I didn't even find out about it until a week ago. So why should I have to pay the big chunk of money? Which is the same sort of thing I would do in high school. You know what I mean? How many people showed up at your reunion? Uh, there were a lot. There were a good amount of people. You know what the best part actually for my high school reunion was? It was uh, reconnecting with all the black people that I went to high school with. <laughs> you know, I'll be I'll be blunt because I went to high school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in uh, North Tulsa, which is primarily black side of town uh-huh. and the school was a magnet school so at the time so it was evenly split and the way that Tulsa I guess is kind of segregated it's like you can keep you know obviously you're going to you'll run into the white people anyway you'll just see them around uh but some of the black people you know you just don't see them as much and it's like oh my god I ha- how have you been 10 uh-huh. years later you know so you so I'm, you know, now Facebook friends with a bunch of people that I was friends with in high school that mm. I wasn't, I hadn't kept in touch with or whatever. I did not awesome. go to my reunion because uh, the deal is this. As I moved from Denver to Missouri at the end of my sophomore year, so I, I was invited to both. I didn't know which one to go you to. You the one you graduated from. Yeah, but I only or knew those people two years. Connected. Who are you more connected with? Well, I spent six years with the people. So why didn't you go to that one? Because I didn't, didn't go graduate. the last two years well, with who cares? them. It's not. A so I didn't year, go to either it's one. A Twelve year. To me, actually, you haven't been there. The, for the, also, years. another thing about the high school union that I noticed is that a lot of the people that I was most excited to reconnect with were people who I was knew from uh, middle school, and there was it was mm-hmm. more like, "Can you believe you and I were in a sixth grade class together?" Because we, my yeah. middle school and my high school, kind of fed into each other. Uh-huh. Um, George Washington Carver Middle School and Booker T. Washington High School. Um, and uh, uh, so it, it was kind of like some of the high school people was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I kind of remember you. And then some of the middle school people was like, oh, my God, can you believe we're 28, 29? And, uh, and we knew each other when we were 12 or something like that. <laughs> so it was all math. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's all math and and that conversation. So and before that's a great conversation to have over and over. So okay, did you did you guys say a lot of stuff like, uh, can you believe YouTube hadn't even been invented when we were in high school? <laughs> that's no, because it wasn't as big of a deal to say that back in uh, ninety nine or two thousand nine. Back in two thousand nine, as it is in two thousand ten. <laughs> you know, with the social network and stuff like sure, that. Absolutely, the social network did change everything. It's a great Gatsby for our generation. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe now, we should talk about movies. Uh, maybe. Do you want to talk about your reunion that you didn't go uh, to? No, you were too busy talking about yours. It's uh, here's, here's no, the deal. We talked about Josh's. That, fair enough. Um, you asked me about it. I, I, wonder, I, I who knows? I, people I, are bored. I don't by know. What I'm sorry. Got into Tyler in this week that I was gone. He's so combative. You know what? I, okay, <laughs> you do know. I was explaining to you. My week started off with a big 
Mm-hmm. Just a you got into a thing. I got into a thing with but this person. I'm not going to talk about it. I will not be talking about it here. Uh, Where will you be talking about? Um, Corner of the eleventh. And I've been talking to my wife about it. Um, <laughs> it wasn't her. But uh, anyway, I, I, I caught on your phone. Well, if you can't today. talk to your wife about these things, what the <laughs> hell is the marriage for? Exactly. Right. Yeah, we have a healthy marriage. Healthy marriage. But before we get it, this is our Halloween episode, by the way, everybody. As you can tell by the music, right? How far exactly. into it are we? Seventeen minutes. Well, by twenty minutes, like any good movie, they really better start kicking in and making people know what it's all about. It's not going to. Here's the deal, um, <laughs> because I made a joke before we started recording that you wanted to return to, and it really piqued my curiosity. Oh, I had uh, made a joke about because we were doing the sound check, and I said, uh, "I said now, Josh, don't be too quiet." The uh-huh. joke, of course, here being Josh is, with the maybe exception of Bill Dwyer or Paul Goebel, the loudest guest we've ever had. <laughs> and uh, Jason Nash should get a Nash is up there. Yeah, fair enough. I, I will say, interesting. That, uh, before I respond to that. In high school, at the end of when they had the superlatives, I was voted the. This class is high clown. school. This is before Facebook. This is high school. <laughs> before MySpace. Nineteen ninety nine. Sure. What about uh, Friendster? I don't know when Friendster. Friendster okay. was two thousand three. Oh, okay. two thousand two, two thousand three. Uh, I was voted loudest and class clown, <laughs> and I really, I kind of um, took offense by that because I, I wasn't that loud. It was only. I knew how to be loud when I wanted to be loud. Oh, okay. So I, I was actually pretty quiet in high school. But okay. when it's like, you know, when I needed to be loud, it's like, oh, can you believe the disorganization <laughs> from these officials? <laughs> People. Oh, well, I'm going to point out some real hypocrisy. <laughs> if this were a government... You know the you know that the uh, the people could overthrow it. We'd have their backs against the fucking wall. Yeah, <laughs> the whole are we si- just gonna sit down and take this? <laughs> the whole system's out of order. Yeah, um, but so I, I I thought I was pretty quiet in high school, except for when I d- needed to be loud. Okay, so is that is that the story you're going? to Oh tell? well, no. The response okay. you said you know you made a joke that that I. You know, I'm sure you're not going to be very quiet, sort of thing. I delivered it better than that, but that's fine. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep the, keep no, the program you did, moving. You didn't do the voice, Josh, where you said, try not, try, "Don't try to be too loud," or whatever. <laughs> don't try to be, uh, don't uh, try to be too loud. Um, <laughs> that is exactly how. But I, I recently did Paul Goebel's podcast, uh-huh. yes, and I found myself having little to nothing to say. Interesting. <laughs> I was just like sitting there, like, oh, I haven't seen that TV show. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that TV show. Well, I don't want to talk shit about that person. <laughs> I haven't seen that TV show, and uh, although I have no problem talking shit about Paul Goebel, uh, <laughs> because if he, you know, if he listens and then says I can't believe you talk shit about me, it's like oh, I didn't talk shit about you. <laughs> I'm not even. I, I, I'm not even talking shit about it. You like, don't have I'm to just worry. Saying I didn't have anything to say in, in during his podcast. Maybe I was also tired, but I remember like mm-hmm. sitting there thinking like, well, I don't have a joke for that. And, and they kind of like he has his you know team of cronies who are like, mm, here's my joke ready. <laughs> what, yeah, my what, joke's ready. That's <laughs> what 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 is Paul? What does Paul's voice sound like? I'm Paul Goble. Nah, <laughs> I'm Paul Goble. Bah. Let me see if I can get Paul's laugh. <laughs> no, just like this <laughs> thing. Yeah, you're right. That was a good one. Just the, <laughs> <laughs> although, although, well, they don't eat on the show very much anymore. But, but, but I, remember I guess God. what I was gonna yeah. say is, well, I remember when we were on together, Paul was just 
smacking away, and I was like, "Ew, stop smacking!" But what I was gonna say is, I think I just feel at home with you guys. Oh, okay. I was gonna give a compliment. Oh, okay. I feel at home with you guys. At Paul's, I was sort of like, I was also like, I couldn't find his play. I was tired. Actually, I remember mm-hmm. like. My phone was just telling me all the wrong directions to go to find his place. It took me like an hour, 45 minutes to get there. And I was like, couldn't find it. And, and then, I'm, you know, you're shoved in this corner. It's like, all right, here we go. Oh, by the way, we have a special joke that we make every week about something that you don't want to understand. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, here's Jim, and he's going to do that joke. And then, uh, okay, what do you think about that joke? It's good. <laughs> you know, or whatever. Well, don't worry. Uh, Paul never, ever... I believe he listened to the two episodes, I'm sorry, three episodes that he was on. He won't hear this. You'll be fine. Well, Paul, eat a dump. And pa- <laughs> Fair enough. And Paul does Actually, have a Actually, I'll tell you, I, mean, I did make one joke on his podcast about Twitter, and then he went and he stole the joke. <laughs> like, we, we, were, we were talking about shit my dad says. Ah, uh, yes. And then he was like, and I made a joke, I said something like, shit my dog takes. Or something like that. And yeah. he was like, oh, ha, 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 ha. I'm going to start that account. I'm going to start that account. And then he started that he account. He started that account. And it was like, there's no crediting of me for making that joke on the account. Uh, an account based off a joke that Josh Fadum made. That would have been nice. But uh, anyway. that was we should the... just abandon the topic. And uh, just no, let's get dis- into some movies. And just discuss past guests of ours. That Josh has a bone to pick with. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm out of bones. Okay. I have no more bones to pick with anyone. Really? Stephen Tobolowski? Who the fuck is he? <laughs> no, I'll, pull up the, I'll pull up the, the list. I bet there's at least eight more. <laughs> right, this guy's going down. This guy can eat shit. This guy can go fuck off. Whose idea was that to have this guy? This girl's a real asshole. <laughs> okay, Pilar, we're looking at you. And then me, I'm always saying I hate these guys because I hate myself. Oh, he was doing a Tyler impression again. Just what? No. You were doing Tyler impression. No, yeah. that was the joke I was I, making. That was the, the button to that yes. whole scene that I but did where I was like. But the funny voice was the same. As oh, that sounded like Tyler. That was my Tyler it, funny voice? It sounded like your funny Tyler voice. Well, see, now you're just, now he's making a sullen face and it, because you just pinned on me that I was making fun of him, <laughs> but I wasn't actually making fun of him. This now, is very off-putting. All right, let's get into it, shall we? All right. It's it's Halloween. Halloween is right around the corner. Indeed. And we always try to do our Halloween episode a little bit early so that any movie we talk about, somebody has the opportunity to rent and watch on yeah. Halloween. Uh-huh. Now, what have we done? We, we've done uh, uh, Vampires versus wo- Werewolves. Right. I almost said Vampires versus Wolverines, which would have been cool. You mean like the ones from Red Dawn? <laughs> <laughs> I think the ones from Red Dawn. Yeah. Logan. Yeah. And actual Wolverines. Oh, my gosh. Fighting... All vampires, vampires, they got to fight on their hands. From to Angel to Spike to... Uh, Orlock. Orlock. Um, Nosferatu. Um, Orlock is, e- is Nosferatu. E- Edward. Right? Yeah. <laughs> First off, okay, what hang else? on. his name, right? Count Orlock is from Nosferatu. He doesn't go by Nosferatu. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Nosferatu yeah, just like, like the, the shark in Jaws. Right? You know, Jaws. <laughs> we got to yes. get Jaws. Oh, man, Vampires versus Jaws is... That'd be that'd be the best. It could be Bruce the shark and then the Bond villain. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. Now then. Um, so yeah, that was the first one, and then it was. Um, that's two thousand eight. What was two thousand eight? Oh, it was recapping your uh, our, our Halloween episode. It was like supernatural horror okay. versus natural horror, or okay, something like I that. I think so. And then uh, last year, and then we had Pat Francis on, and just talked about whatever. Yeah, that was fun last year. It was a lot of fun. You got anything to say about Pat Francis? 
I don't know who he is. All right, Pat then. Francis. He's a good guy. That sounds good. He's a good guy. He, I think, name Pat's nice. Name Francis is. Both I want to nice. say both that gentle name. After Josh Fadum, Pat Francis has been a guest on the show most often, not counting Jason Eakin. Hang on a minute. Yeah, let's all wait. Goebel's been on three times. Pat's been on three times. Okay, it's you've been on by far more than anybody. Whew. Man, oh man. Oh, yeah. Wait, uh, yeah. So, um, rushed from rushed from behind. Is that really only three times with Pat? Yeah. I feel like I know him so well. Well, never not. He's on Never Not Funny a lot. So here, here's what we're gonna do this time. Okay. I gotta meet this Pat Francis guy. You do. He's a good guy. He sounds good. Um, Two names, both gentle. <laughs> um. Why don't you? It was your idea, Tyler. Why don't you tell me? It's you tell me what this Somebody get it is. out. I'm sitting in my car on the way to work, saying, "What the hell's the episode about?" Yeah, all right. That's what the guy who. It took me a minute to realize what you were saying. I got it though. The people um, driving to work yeah. are going to get it. Yeah, they turned it off. Um, <laughs> so not because of you, but because of us with you. Um, so here's uh, here's the deal. So my friends and I every uh, every Saturday. We have a movie night in which we watch movies that we've been meaning to get to for a long time. Uh, it's been uh, very educational and lots of fun. Uh, the kind and of thing you want to do on a Saturday night. Healthy. Educational. Smart. For movie people, yes. Like watching... Yeah, you uh, know what I do on a Saturday night? I uh, drink cocktails and watch TV with my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. I do not do anything... You could oh, watch okay. movies. Uh, I do not go partying. <laughs> do you watch oh, just okay. TV shows or do you watch like shit TV like VH1 specials about... This changed music. How about Deadliest Warrior? You watch Deadliest Warrior? No, that here's here's the thing about shows. me, uh, TV watching. I never, almost never, just turn on the TV and see what's on. I have shows that I record. I, I pretty much just go straight to the DVR. Occasionally, if uh, it's the middle of the night and I am not tired, I will just turn it on and watch Sports Center mm-hmm. because that's, right. that's generally kid that can keep me entertained until I get tired. Uh-huh. But that's the only time I ever turn on the TV without a specific like show that I'm going to watch. Okay. So no, I don't. I don't. I don't channel surf. I've never accidentally caught the Rock of Love bus. That's a mm. <laughs> that reference is less than two years old. Right? Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so here's the deal. Yeah. So that's what my Saturdays look like, and it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Um, and I, I will note that the reason that I don't usually wind up hanging out with Jen on Saturdays is because she is a wedding photographer and is often shooting weddings on Saturdays. So mm-hmm. here's the deal. So we decided that for October we were going to do, you know, we were going to do uh, some some scary movies. But I decided we decided uh, specify it. Thank you very much, Josh. I'm going to. It. Um, the uh, that sounded meaner than I meant for it to. No, no. But uh, that you were thinking you're going to specify. I decided <laughs> I'm going to do. Let's let's do something else. Let's do a different kind of horror movie, not just uh, not just like jump out and scare you kind There's of thing. So things. many kinds, and uh, and so this one, <laughs> I like how on board you're getting here. Yeah. This is really great. Um, what, is, what are the other kind of movies that you're not doing? Uh, jump out and scare you. <laughs> we'll do that some other time. Yeah. We, there's always going to be time for jump yeah. out and scare you. Yeah. Or what do we want this time? Or reach out and grab you. Abracadabra. <laughs> well, reach out and grab you. That that that's more gonna touch you, I think. Okay. Reach out and grab you. Something like, I think Hook's gonna reach out and grab you. Okay. Not because I was it's thinking a hook of the Steve it. Miller band. Oh. Are you referring to Dustin Hoffman? Yeah. Okay. Something you know. Something He's got that really... hook. He could grab. Yeah. No question about it. But that Things song, that grab. you know, when the, the girl's hook. singing, 
I'm all alone or whatever, it, however it is. When you're, how's it go? Anyone remember the song? From I have Hook? no idea. No, when you are you're alone, something like that. There's a girl singing about how she's all alone. I'm alone. And that's <laughs> Josh. Song you are a class of '99. There are references you you know that I don't. <laughs> yeah, there's right. a generational difference so, here. Okay. Sorry, freshman. But yeah, Hook go would grab up. you because he's got the hook. No question about Tremors it. Tremors could grab you. They're they got, they're graboids. Graboids. What what else would grab you? Zombies. Oh yeah, absolutely. Aliens. Yeah, I guess. Grabbers. He reaches right out and grabs Tom Skerritt. Yeah, you're right. He reaches right out and grabs him. Has there been a monster movie called Grabbers? There's uh, there's breeders, there's scanners, there's transers, there's, you know, creepers, which is actually phenomena. There's there's not Grabbers. No. Grabbers is ripe for the taking, horror lovers. (laughs) You should make a horror movie. I'm going to make Grabbers. All right, then. <laughs> I think we've got okay, it worked so, out. Okay, uh, so take us back into your thought process. Oh, my gosh. Yes, let's do that. So you didn't want when any I of think, the... I hear Josh's voice interrupt, too. <laughs> so. I'm just trying to usher you along, you <laughs> it's know? It's fine. I don't know why I'm being so negative to you today. Um, so you didn't want any of the jump out and scare you horror movies. Right. I wanted, uh, I wanted something a little different. And a lot of people in our group had not seen a lot of films by David Cronenberg. Uh-huh. And, and, I th- and I thought of... I started thinking, like, well, is Cronenberg a horror director? And the more I thought of it, I thought, uh, yes, I'm always horrified when I watch his films, <laughs> with, the exce- with a couple recent exceptions, like History of Violence and Eastern Promises. Uh, and even Existence has some horrifying elements in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started thinking... Well, there's uh, a thing... No, you know what? Finish your thought. Okay. We're done interrupting you for now, I think. I appreciate that. Let's um, <laughs> finally finish And so thought. I started... Th- I'll try to sum up at least. Uh, so I started thinking, like, well... He's not a conventional horror director, and yet I would absolutely consider most of his films to be horror. And so I was thinking of his film, The Fly, and I thought, well, that has, I guess, a couple of jump-out-and-grab-you moments. Yeah, and it has a monster. And it has a monster, but he's not revealed to be... It's not like the old-school fly where he's the fly immediately and is a monster immediately. He gradually becomes a monster, and only in the last 10, 15 minutes is he then the monster. And it's a two-hour film. So I remember thinking, like, why is this scary? And then it, it, uh, it occurred to me, I'm almost there, we're, it's, it's come down the pike. I, we, we've shut up. Okay. We are wrapped. Uh, R-A-P-T. Okay, thank you. I was like, what? what? <laughs> um, uh, the film created in me, and a- as well uh, several of, of his other films, created in me a sense of dread. Mm-hmm. It, was not a, it was not a startling kind of frightening it was a it was a deeper intellectual i would say psychological, psychological kind I of frightening where you're going with this. I, okay I, oh so you this is the topic thought. let's get into it shall we and we'll talk about I, I would i have horror. to to uh voice um, a semantical disagreement oh, with okay. you uh because you did tell me beforehand we're going to talk about some psychological yeah. horror films yeah and i would there's a term that's been coined for david cronenberg's that's movies with, and that's called the body horror body horror. okay yeah and uh that was i think in the 80s or whatever you know yeah. um and uh um and i and but i think you know like rather than psychological like stuff like the fly is more like this is happening and you can't stop it and it, the dread is accurate but it's sort of like you know, coming from inside. Right. Uh, yeah. We're not going to talk about the fly for an hour. We're, we, yeah. This is right. just a, our, our way in. But yes, I was going to talk yeah. about, I was going to say that I, people might be confused that you use David Cronenberg as a, as a, as a springboard because... Videodrome right. might actually be a better example because 
he is change James Woods' character is changing throughout mm-hmm. the movie, mm-hmm. but then you start to not know well how much is he actually seeing and how much how much are we seeing through his eyes and how much is are we seeing like from someone else's eyes? Absolutely, and so that's more like we don't know that in a movie like Spider, movies like Naked Lunch, which is not actually a horror movie but is still horrifying, uh, as is Dead Ringers and several of his other films, um, and uh, and oddly enough. When I think of, of The Fly, there's no question, of course, it is that body horror kind of, uh, kind of thing is the very definition of it, in fact. Um, but I guess when I think in terms of... I'm not going to say that it is a psychological horror movie, but for me it is because it stays with me. The, psychological, the psychology part mm-hmm. is a function of me, not the film, because it... it I don't know. It, it scares me emotionally and intellectually. Of course, there's a lot of gross-out body stuff going mm-hmm. on, but I am able to intellectualize it. Into, I mean, honestly, I guess we'll start, with, we'll start with The Fly, and I'll talk about why I have a reaction to it. Um, anybody, it's, it's not even this, it's not a very thinly, va- uh, it's a fairly thinly veiled metaphor for, of course, degenerative disease, uh, cancer being uh, chief among them. And, uh, and there is the realization, and that's the thing is, it's scary that this guy's turning into a monster, but it's even more emotionally frightening and, for me, emotionally and then psychologically and intellectually frightening that this guy is just not who he used to be and never can be and will only ever get worse. And the realization, you know, I mean, I had a grandparent who died from Alzheimer's and it was amazing to see... Amazing. Sad is what I should have said. (laughs) Amazing to see him. uh, He was a very strong guy and watching him slowly devolve into something that uh, was very helpless and, and, and all of that. And so uh, being able to to recognize that this is something that's going to happen to all of us. It may not happen this way. It may not even happen, mm-hmm. happen through, uh, through a disease. It may, but it's just it's going to happen. And to me, that, that's body horror, but it, it created in me a very psychological kind of so, yeah, response. So let's, let's just get straight. Your definition... Or, or, the, or at least the, the tack you're taking mm-hmm. here is that it's not necessarily, not necessarily something that's happening psychologically to the character, but it's a psychological effect on you. Because um, I came into this thinking about it the other way. I mean, it's still going to have a psychological effect on you, but I right. was thinking about... Um, it, Josh, when we were talking about this earlier this afternoon, mentioned Roman Polanski, and I immediately oh, thought yeah. of uh, Repulsion. Right. Wh- or The is, Tenant or Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, know, Which yes. are all about... Uh, um, is what's happening what I think is happening. Yeah. Um, and I think that I would, you know, if we're talking about the name for it, I think that's more accurately describes something psychological. Absolutely, yes. Um, but, uh, but you know, there's... As- but Videodrome has more aspects of that because you don't know, you know, if, like, like the stuff that's going on, like when he's... It's just... It's tra- by the end of the movie, it's just, well... We just let it all go because we don't know what's real or not. You yeah. know, like, mm-hmm. ha- has he really got the gun hidden in his stomach, or has he not got it hidden, hidden yeah. in his stomach? Is that just in his mind? You know, is it? You know, is uh, all the? Uh, I can't remember. But like, um, I recently watched Gods and Monsters for the first time. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and you know, that's not uh, a horror film, you know, by any traditional sense. But there's elements of like mm-hmm. psychological horror like you know even just like filmmaking tactics where you know like maybe someone you know they think they're seeing something and then it cuts to what it actually is like are you okay yeah or something mm-hmm. like that 
Um, and, you know, all the stuff with Ian McKellen's character, uh, he, I think he actually, it felt like there were certain parts of it that I really liked that felt like a Polanski movie or whatever. Yeah. But that, and that was when it was talking about like, I think he's probably got Alzheimer's or something like that. They don't spell it out, whatever he's suffering from, but he talks about how his brain is, is going and he doesn't mm-hmm. have, he doesn't have all the strength in his brain. Right. On a side note, there were ho- things about that movie that I thought were absolutely atrocious uh, like there's an actor named Jack Plotnick who, I don't know how well you remember that movie, but uh, he's like this this boy at the beginning who like wants to interview him. And uh, Jack Plotnick's like a comedy actor, but this guy is so fucking bad. How can you not be with that name? He's like, <laughs> he's like, the movie has like got a really nice base in reality tone, but he's this guy's like, oh my God, I'm such a fan of you. Frankenstein, right? Didn't you make a Frankenstein? Ooh. And uh, Ian McKellen, you know, is like, oh, perhaps you'd like to sit by the pool and have a discussion. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I just had to get that out there, that I was really infuriated by I Jack should, Potnick's performance. I, I have nothing but uh, good memories of Gods and Monsters, but I haven't seen it in years. Maybe well, that's probably, yeah. it didn't stick with you for some reason. And Brendan Fraser's also, he's not so great. See, I like him. I think he does okay. I, I, I think he's pretty dull at some parts of the movie. I think he's only name right now top three Brendan Fraser movies: Gods and Monsters, The Quiet American, Looney Tunes Back in Action. Uh, I, I like Quiet American. I like Looney Tunes Back in Action. It's like sometimes Brendan Fraser's really good, uh-huh. but in this one, I thought he was just sort of like I go I go blast from the past over oh, uh, Looney Tunes. It. How about Encino Man? How about his small performance in Kids in the Hall Brain Candy? He is pretty funny in that. Yeah, he's pretty funny in that. Um, Wait, who is he in that? He's uh, he's in, the, he's in the placebo group. I, I'm in. The, I know what it is. <laughs> sugar. Right. My face tells me it's sugar. Um, and so I wanted to, yeah. So like I, I wanted to kind of examine some of these films because, oddly enough, these, the way I, the way I put out the the topic to David, I, I wasn't using the term psychological at all. I had used the term dread, but that's a very vague term. Uh-huh. And so I wanted to, we wanted to. Put uh, kind of give it a, an easier title, um, yeah. and uh, but to me the the common denominator in all of these is a growing dread that the characters have and that you have as a result, and and frankly it's something that for me when I see it I carry it home with me and I don't it, it makes me it's a general unease and just like there there are a lot of uh, jump out and scare you. Jump out and grab you, uh, movies. Reach out and grab. You. Reach out and grab you. No. Grabbers coming. Summer no, no. Jump out and scare you. Reach out and grab. You. Okay, fair enough. Jump <laughs> out, reach out, out grab you, and scare you. Abra- Abracadabra. <laughs> that was almost AT and T's slogan, but then they <laughs> changed it to touch someone. Reach out and grab someone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but the. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, or is it Bell? Yeah. Southwestern Bell. Southwestern Bell. Does anyway, that exist anymore. It, maybe it did when reach out and touch someone was. Uh, anyway, go, can, can, that's sorry. Um, so the those movies like I en- they can be very good and I enjoy them at the time, but uh, they don't stay with me. Whereas the ones where the horror comes from a realization, those are the ones where it's just like, wow. I hope I don't ever get in that situation, and I'm constantly worried examples? that I am. Uh, yeah, um, they're silly for me. Throw them out because okay. I know that zombies don't exist. But to me, a movie the like metaphors are exist. Well, there's yes. that. Yes, absolutely. But uh, like a Night of the Living Dead, and to an even uh, to a lesser extent, it's not a horror movie. It's more of an action movie. Uh, I am Legend. 
the idea of being the lone person, it has always scared me. Well, that also, you know, even Omega Man and well, Last yeah, Man yeah, Earth. the whole you know, deal. I, I've not seen Omega Man, but I recently, uh, thanks to Turner Classic Movies on Demand, I recently watched The Last Man on Earth for the oh, first Vincent time. Oh, Price? It's pretty good, huh? Did you like it? You don't like it. I liked it. Okay. I could tell that it's based on a really great story, cause I, and I think the story is great. And I, I think the themes are really compelling and interesting. It feels like a movie that was made in about two and a half weeks. Probably was. Yeah, and it, it kind of, there, there are parts that I'm like, that that the movie just needed maybe another month at tops in the editing room just to just to tighten it up. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not that it's a long movie to begin with, but it just there. Anyway, um, I saw a double feature with Omega Man. I think a year. or two Which one's ago. better? I've never seen Omega Man. Um, I you know Omega Man is is also pretty flawed. I, like to me, the first half of Omega Man is the one that sticks with me. You know, and uh-huh. um and you know, and then there's the part where you start seeing more and more of the. The creeper people. Yeah, no, that's that's the film where Charlton Heston has a cannon for an arm, right? Shit, I don't. That's remember. a Mega Man reference. I'm sorry. That was oh, uh, Mega Man. Oh. Only certain people. Oh, would. Mega Man. I get it. Mega Man. Exactly. Mega Man. I'm oh, sorry. Mega Man. Ah. <laughs> um. <laughs> but no. Overall, Boink. I'm I'm really glad I watched Last Man on Earth, and it really makes me want to read uh, the book. Uh, what's his name? Richard Matheson is that the guy who wrote the book. Uh huh. I really want to read the book now because mm-hmm. I like. Because I could, I know from people who have read the book that that um, them be that even though I am Legend is the one that's actually named after the book, it seems like right. it's the least faithful. It's moved to it's moved to New York. It's also they, got C, bad CG in it. Yeah, it and they, really. And they, does. To be honest, I'll take like a cheap uh, a cheap but cool looking set, mm-hmm. uh, in a crappy black and white movie with a little bit of stilted acting over like bad CG any day. Bad CG, I, I liked yeah. I Am Legend, but. To me, it's just like, well, yeah, I, here you've I, got a, actually a good movie, and Will Smith's good, and you go, oh, you sad scene with the dog and everything, and then yeah. you just kind of slop it up with this crappy CG. Yeah, yeah. I feel like The Last Man on Earth, or I Am Legend, the story, the original book, is a is a sort of metaphor for uh, generation gap and, and, and mm-hmm. being part of a fading generation, whereas the movie I Am Legend with Will Smith is about the effects of loneliness uh-huh. on yeah. the mind. And they're both good in their own ways, except that I Am Legend, the movie, ends with, yeah, bad bad CGI. And they don't talk. The monsters don't talk. Whereas in the book and in The Last Man on Earth, that was one of the, the coolest things to me, that, that they can talk. Uh-huh. And they're out there shouting all night. Like he's trying to sleep at night. They know where he lives. They're pounding on his house all night, every night, just saying his name over and over again. Omega That's Man's terrifying. Omega Man's main villain yeah. is, uh, is uh, a pretty... Uh, it's a, it's another one of those kind of like guys who always played a lot of seventies villains. Anthony Zerby is the name, of ah. him. and uh, he's pretty good in it, as I recall. And I believe he was uh, later cast. Uh, people might know him from uh, the Matrix sequels. I believe he's no, is he? I, I he's think really so. old. I, I actually don't. I think I fell asleep during part uh, the second one, and then I didn't see the third one. Mm. But he's in the Dead Zone, uh, and he plays the father of the kid that. Christopher Walken, John Tudors, mm-hmm. and um, also a Cronenberg movie, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and 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 Christopher Walken gets a vision of him, you know, drowning, playing hockey on on thin ice, and mm-hmm. right. and uh, there's this great moment you can find on YouTube where uh, the dad's telling him Anthony Zerby's saying you're fired, and then he's saying, please don't let him go, don't let him go, and then he. Sh- He's like, get out of my house, and then he takes his cane and shatters a, a vase or something, and he goes, the ice. It's gonna break. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think did you and I watch that movie together, The Dead Zone? Dead Zone, yeah, I think so. I love that yeah. movie. I, I like it a lot too, even though there are, there are a lot of moments of Chris Walken shouting that it's are great. Of, He's great in it. Yeah, out it's, of context, it's, it's they're classic pretty funny. But Christopher yeah. Walken. Yeah, um, but that is another one that to if we get back to this sort of psychological this this yeah. idea of dread, which is I guess what the episode is changing to be about. Sorry, or I guess what you always meant it to be about. Yes, that's right. I'll get my way. Yeah. Um, that that movie and and that book really uh, are really terrifying to me in a way that um, big, uh, when okay. I'm not a guy I don't uh, I don't spend a lot of time fearing uh, my own death because I what's the point? You know, but when know. I'm when I when I'm forced to think about it, which is what both the movie and the book do, it's that's the kind of dread that you're talking about. It's an yeah. it's an inevitable thing that I can't change. Or maybe it's more of like. Having to find something to do while you're waiting for it. <laughs> that that to me is the uh, the inevitability, which I think is something that is inherently associated with dread. The idea that you can't yeah. oh, change yeah. it. Um, and so, like, I mean, I brought up zombie movies and I'm Legend, the idea of being the only one of something. But even in movie, even like action movies, and I remember. Uh, the Island of Dr. Moreau, the uh, Frankenheimer one, with the, the crazy one Brando, with Marlon Brando and Val David Kilmer, Thulis. where David Thewlis is the hero. That should tell you something. Um, well, you know the story behind that is that it was supposed to be Val Kilmer and he just didn't want to play that part. And so oh. David Thewlis. <laughs> oh, OK. I could see that. Yeah. But uh, like they swapped parts or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, you know it's uh, you know the movie's going to turn out great when actors can just swap parts and everything. And everyone's like, yeah, fine. Um, but uh, but there's a part where <laughs> I like the idea that all the all the actors got around and drew character names out of a hat. Yeah, and Val Kilmer was like, I don't like mine. Does anyone want to change? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Does anyone want to change? Yes, I'll change. I don't want to wear a lot of makeup though. I want a person character. <laughs> I don't um, want more days to shoot. <laughs> But and I, I want a scene or two with Brando. And I want to do an impression of Brando. Is that all right? Um, man, that movie's insane. But there's a part in the film where uh, a character is being chased by every character on the island. And to me, there is inevi- an inevitability there where you can only run for so long, they will get you. Mm-hmm. And as I've said before, that's what scares me about zombie movies, is especially when they're slow moving, as you know, is there's an inevitability. They don't have to move fast because they'll get you anyway. And it, the fact that they are not running is like, oh, that that is almost more unnerving to me. Uh, and I guess this is a good way to move into Polanski because okay, I remember because I remember back when we, Josh and I prepared for a different episode. Yeah, sorry. Did. <laughs> and uh, and once we get here, I'll take a back seat and you guys can talk for a while. It's fine. And the thing um, is, like now that you say t- you you actually did make it somewhat clear to me days ago what you wanted the topic to be. And I've had a really rough work week, and it had just. I, I said it to you mind. right after you'd had a full day of plane travel, so yeah, okay. uh, I should. I, 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 you know, I, I forgive you for that. That's okay. fine. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So uh, I remember back in in film school when I think uh, we were in school when the pianist came out. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, that was two thousand two. Yeah, we were in school, and I remember uh, somebody, w- some friends, and I were talking about uh, Polanski, and I was that long ago, two thousand two. Yeah. And I happened to mention... You like, know, you guys, when we were in high school, the pianist hadn't even come out yet. Uh, I remember I was excited about reading about the Ninth Gate on, oh, on, yeah. on my limited internet 
access. <laughs> I waited on, on for IMDb. several minutes to be able to read about the Ninth Gate. <laughs> of you know being really into Death and the Maiden and thinking that's the last movie he made. When's he gonna make another movie? Yeah. I think he didn't make one between Death and the Maiden and Ninth Gate, did he? I don't think so. I think there was a, a I think that a lull there. He had a little break. Um, hmm. But uh, but I remember I, I described the Polanski theme kind of haphazardly and maybe not even completely believing in it. And the more I thought of it, which is one person against, well, not one person against the world, the world against one person. Mm-hmm. And just being, and I remember just kind of throwing that out there. And then the more I thought about, about it, I was like, damn it. It's, it's all there. Like Rosemary's Baby, The Tenant, The Pianist, Oliver Twist, Ninth Gate. I don't know about pirates. It's been a while since I've but seen. Yeah, even even well, Chinatown. Chinatown. Ghost Rider. I've read his biography and you know plenty of stuff on him, and that's what he talks about is that you know growing up in uh, Warsaw ghettos, you know his whole life was like being stuck somewhere for a long period of time, and mm-hmm. and not knowing if you know this is going to be the end of his life if he gets caught or busted yeah. or you know and like having his parents taken away from him. You know, so like the most important people are kind of snatched out of his life, and then he's sort of like, "Well, I guess I can't rely on those people." Yeah. You know, and then mm-hmm. being raised by like different people, like he was raised by like Catholic people, you mm-hmm. know, even though he was a Jew, uh, and then you know he just kind of hopped around from different places, and um, uh, and also he cites a movie called Odd Man Out, directed by Carol Reed with hmm. um, uh, James Mason, which is you know a fugitive story, um. I think it's uh yeah a a guy is on the run like an Irish guy or something like that is on the run IRA or something and uh and you know and and he's hiding in like this um sewer not a sewer and just like a, in a park and I can't remember exactly but he's mm-hmm. stuck there for a long time and and he keeps like he'll see different people like maybe they come in and it, or he'll see a kid will come in and see him and he'll think the kid is like you know his girlfriend or something and he said he's said that he's he takes from he takes something from that movie and puts it in every one of his movies mm-hmm. as well as the Olivier Hamlet which I've never actually seen yeah. hmm. um, but this but they all but they, it does have a lot of his little touches in it now, I think uh, of the movie I mentioned earlier that I want to get back to is Repulsion. Have which you seen? I, no, I haven't seen. But it. you've seen Repulsion, mm-hmm. Josh. That's uh, that that's all that in in one movie. And the, the Repulsion is essentially a movie about a, a young woman who's very naive and lives with. Does she live with her sister, or is it just another woman? She, uh, I, I forget. Wanna... I believe she lives with her sister. Yeah, and she's her... really sexually repressed. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and she, naive and. Yeah, and then her sister leaves her for the weekend in in the apartment, and I don't think she leaves the apartment the entire movie. I think we mm-hmm. see her outside of the apartment at the beginning of the movie, and then the rest of the movie's in the apartment, right? Mm-hmm. I think people are trying to get in, or she thinks they're trying to get in. Yeah, and it, and that's this is the psychological aspect we're talking about. Like, we we don't know, and she doesn't know if these these person who's knocking on the door is just the landlord or someone who has a legitimate question or someone coming in to rob rape and murder her also there's like other things like food like there's a carcass of an animal that's uh that was supposed to be eating and just sits there and it's rotting and Mm -hmm. she just got all this stuff just rotting that she's not tending to Hmm. yeah it's a crazy movie another one that he made at the same time is cul-de-sac which is uh donald pleasance and Catherine deneuve's real life sister who died really young Uh eventually are like a married couple and you know the uh, the wife's really hot and she's, you know, screwing the pool boy or something like that. And Donald Pleasance is, 
they're stuck. They get they get like kind of held hostage by these uh, uh, fugitives, and um, who are di- who have like injured and died. One of them's dying of a gunshot wound, and one of them's a big brutish guy who's like, "You listen to what I'm gonna say, and your little pretty girl too." And like, um, it sounds kind of like the Desperate Hours. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that, but but it's like they're like basically stuck there, you know, and trapped, and they can't get out. And I think other people show up, and they have to put on a charade or whatever and hmm. huh. um uh, like the ref it's great <laughs> yeah it's a lot like the ref that, that, that is a whole like uh, uh genre it's really it funny too like. donald pleasance is really funny in it i don't mm-hmm. doubt it i like i'm a big fan the of the music's donald really cool too but you should check out desperate hours i don't know if it fits into this who conversation d- who directed at all. That? the oh is it michael cimino no no it's um oh well there was a remake and he might have directed how old is desperate sure. hours 50s For- Oh, 50? Oh, okay. You called us like six, 1960. De- Desperate Hours, it's Humphrey Bogart plays, I guess, the head of a gang who is looking for a place to hide out, and they break into this suburban household. The head of the house is Frederick March, and they hold him hostage. Right. And then they remade it in the 80s with Mickey Rourke That's in the Michael Bogart Chimino. role. Yeah. And Anthony Hopkins in the Frederick March is role. That right? William, is that William Wyler? Oh, William Wyler directed Yeah. It, uh, another guy um, we mentioned earlier, Richard Matheson, who wrote "I'm Legend." Anytime mm. I see his name on something, I, I'm always interested. I, I think. What else has he has he written? Well, he, you know, he's a big novelist, and he he I believe he wrote "Duel." Oh, cool. Hmm. Um, which is also very psychological. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Spielberg's first movie. Yeah. And I just watched a movie that he wrote, a British haunted house movie that was awesome. I, I couldn't believe I'd never seen it. Called "Legend of Hell House." And it's got Roddy McDowell in it and uh, uh, Pamela Franklin, who's this little girl who I'd seen in another movie that I watched right before it called uh, The Innocents. And she was like a little girl and she's mm-hmm. more grown up in uh, Legend of Hell House. And I was like, this woman looks familiar. And I am beat her is the same one. The Innocents is another one, too, about sort of like a, you know, is it in, is it in my mind or what? Mm-hmm. Um, but Legend of Hell House, Richard Matheson wrote it. It's just a really good haunted horror movie. Haunted House movie. Is that to you um, something that really, that you, because you and I were talking about Spider earlier and you mentioned that uh, you didn't finish it because you had such a difficult time, uh, you know, watching it because you weren't sure what was going on. I think I, I don't, I, I wouldn't say, I don't have any formal criticism of Spider. I think I just threw it on years ago and I was bored and so I just didn't bother finishing it. Okay. Um, is that, because... I, I will move into what we theoretically were going to talk about, uh-huh. which is psychological. Um, and films that are overtly, you know, psychological thrillers or horrors or whatever, uh, which is to say about the character's psychological state, um, I think the ones that are most effective for me are are ones like, like we're talking about, like uh, The Tenant is a good example. Mm-hmm. Did you see The Tenant, David? No, I have not seen. Oh it. man, it's uh, the, the, yeah, psychological. It's more dealing with some form of like mental illness. Yeah, but or you whether it's know. even like depression or yeah. isolation or loneliness or like a degenerative disease, like we talked about yeah. gods and monsters, or like you know even like yeah. the body horror stuff. And you really have no idea the the story of the tenant. It's uh, Roman Polanski himself plays uh, a guy who moves into this building and slowly but surely is positive that every single other He's trying to kill me every everybody's so trying to kill him or maybe they're trying to drive him insane 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, what is it? I believe he plays music at, like, the quietest a person can play music. And then, like, the landlord or something is just like, you are being too loud or whatever. Is It's been a long time since I've seen it. Uh-huh. But it's just all these tiny little things. We don't, that we don't very- like your kind here. Where you come from, Melvin Douglas. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so... Just for one reason or another, every single person has a problem with him, and some of them are small, some of them are huge, but if you have enough people against you, then all of a sudden it starts to seem like a conspiracy. Well, you know, people are strange when you're, when you're a stranger. I've heard that. <laughs> so, a wonderful poet said it. <laughs> a guy that, that, whose genius is indisputable. I don't recall who. And then, anyway, but... Uh, but speaking of... Uh, uh, Hopeless uh, druggies. Yeah. <laughs> um, another situation, <laughs> uh, and again, I'm, I'm bringing this up just because I recently uh, rewatched Train Spotting. Um, but the idea of either drugs or drug withdrawal messing with with your perception. Now, Train Spotting is not a movie you'd call a horror movie, right? But the long—it's a really long segment of the movie. His withdrawal sequence mm-hmm. um, that definitely has horrific elements in it, where he doesn't know. What's going on? At yeah. one point, his parents are on a game show that he's watching on TV. Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, baby Don, the dead baby, is crawling on the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, Spud is sitting on his doorframe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the room gets yeah, longer and shorter. And stuff. Yeah, um, that's a that that was a, that's a really I think psychologically horrific sequence. Yeah, um, akin to of course uh, Ray Milan in the Last Weekend. Sure, uh, hallucinating uh, bats and mice and mm-hmm. all that. But then. Um, Transpotting also has the overdose sequence in which as soon as as soon as he uh shoots up mm-hmm. or or Peter Mullen actually shoots him up, he sinks into the floor. And you see things from his point of view, and you see him literally literally sink into the floor, mm-hmm. like there's a sort of coffin shaped hole in the floor, and the red rug that he's on is lining the walls. Mm-hmm. And then his whole trip down the stairs, in the cab, through the hospital, everything he's seeing has the red carpet. On the sides of his vision. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty cool thing. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> and I just watched it recently. I mean, I guess there are certain directors who, you know, they have, like, recurring themes about, like, that. And, like, Danny Boyle, before that, he made Shallow Grave, which is, mm-hmm. uh-huh. I wouldn't say psychological, but there's, like, a paranoia aspect to yeah. it. Where, like, the three guys, the three character leads, you know, someone gets killed and then it's like... Well, who's gonna? Who, who can I trust? Who's gonna? Who's the one who's gonna? You know, rat out. Who's the one who's gonna freak out? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and it becomes about that. So you know, and then certain... the, the beach when Tilda Swinton exiles him. Um, Tilda then... Swinton in that movie? Yeah. Oh, I forget. Uh, she's uh, what's her name? She's Tilda Swinton. Like yeah. she's in every movie. They all have like I can't remember what her name is. Anyway, is it Sill? I don't recall. Damn it. Anyway, uh, she exiles him from their camp. And while he's there, he's, like, living a video game, and then all of a sudden he's in, like, Deer Hunter, essentially. Yeah. And then he's back in the hotel room that he was in in Thailand, except the hotel room is a bunker where Robert Carlyle is shooting a machine gun out the window. Mm-hmm. When uh, did the beach come out? Was that 2000, or was that 1998 or something? No, it was 2000, I think. Was it really 2000? I believe so, yes. For some reason, it feels like I was watching that movie in high school because I've seen it so many times. But hmm. I think it was at the... I think it was like spring 2000. I think it was at the end of my high school. Yeah. I can't believe it was 2000. There uh, really hasn't been a lot of... I, I was thinking 1999 and 2007 were the best 
years for movies in the past oh. 10 years. It's it's odd but because because I've been I've been saying 99 for a long time and then we actually got an email from a listener whose name I don't recall uh saying Sorry, uh that 2007 uh should be like gives 99 a run for its money. Yeah, I would say yeah. 99 and 2007 are, are 2007 the, had right at the top there will be blood and no country for old men, which I think are movies that will yeah. be for decades to come. And uh, uh, the the horror, the sadly underrated uh, "Before the Devil Knows You're Dead." Yes, uh, Zodiac. Uh, maybe What's Cindy Lumet's ballsiest movie. Zodiac, Easter yeah. Promises, two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah, it was a good. It was year. a real wallop. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think, I think uh, four weeks, two days, seven year, whatever it's called. The uh, in Tibet. No, no, no. no. Um, it was. The one about Four months, three weeks, and two days. Yeah, that's the one. I think I've talked about that on here before, and I, I think that was 2007. That is, that is a, a great, Did that's you see a it? great, great movie. Yeah, yeah. I saw it at the Sunset Five. That was yeah, yeah. That Tibet thing great. was a joke, by the way. I know it's not. No, seven years. All that Tibet. Tibet. Um, um, but you know what? You rem- talking about Shallow Grave reminded me of a, of a movie that is gen- often not considered a horror movie, mm-hmm. although it has psychologically safe, tense. No, no. That's another one though. It has a very t- tense tone and is directed by a director who very much made his name in horror, and that's Sam Raimi's A Simple Plan. Uh huh. I was uh, right. Yeah, I was uh, right there with you. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that. That very much is the same thing. Where same themes the, like paranoia and uh, no. who can you trust and exactly which you, which you see come up in these in these more psychological horror movies. I, I guess they're generally referred to as psychological thrillers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to me, I don't find them very thrilling. Like. I think of like Raiders of the Lost Ark as being thrilling. Right, There's right. Thrills in that, whereas I think psychological horror might be the the right name, except that horror has this connotation of having monsters or right. supernatural things in it. Um, when I think think of psychological, I I think of like, well, it's is it? Uh, it's got to be about a character. Like, does everyone think I'm crazy or am I crazy? Or mm-hmm. you would say, I would say, Shutter Island is a psychological thriller no. or horror. You know? Yeah. What did you think of Shutter Island? Have we talked about it? I think we might, we might have talked stick about with it. With me, uh, possible I, spoilers. You haven't seen it. Oh, I have seen spoilers. it, but I'm saying I, I, it for I, the, yeah, I won't spoil anything. I just yeah, let's not spoil. It, it really yeah. wasn't one I even cared enough to talk about. I'll say that. Okay, fair I, enough. I had I had fun watching it, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't think it was that great. I I, w- I, I wish Scor- I want Scorsese to move back in the direction of where he came from a little more than like, I, like everything he's made in the past ten years has has been a big budget epic. You know what I mean? Like he's all he yeah. makes big movies now. What was the last to... movie of his that you really really liked? Oh, I really liked The Departed. Okay, I, mm-hmm. I didn't like it that much. Um, uh, I yeah, I, I remember thinking it was good, but um, I'm trying to think, what is the last? I had an his... idea for a reality show that. Uh, I th- and I don't like reality shows, but I think the one reality show I'd probably watch is uh, you you take you know the biggest directors and you make them make a movie with major limitations, like mm-hmm. like Steven Spielberg or Scorsese, like the I, Five Obstructions that documentary. I haven't seen the, that, but like yeah. they have they they have to make a movie you know uh, with a limited budget. They can't use their crew. They you mm-hmm. know maybe they can use like one a few people. Um, um, Janusz Kaminski, take the summer yeah, off. Yeah, he can't. Spielberg <laughs> can't use Kaminski. You know, maybe Scorsese gets Thelma Schoonmacher. That's it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and like if they're really struggling, they get a lifeline or something. You know, like they can call, like someone can call someone to come and help them out. Like George Lucas makes a movie, he gets to call Francis Coppola mm-hmm. and ask him for help or something <laughs> like that. You know, but like, uh, and, uh, you know, just so just to like yeah. the reality show aspect would be to see them like struggling and be right. like, 
you know, oh, I'm not used to not being able to get what I want or actually having to talk to an actor or having to, you know, not to say yeah. they don't do that. I'm trying to what's some more things. Maybe they're working up. with more amateur actors than they yeah. are. Than, they don't get Leonardo DiCaprio. Or I guess maybe try to replicate the uh, the actual, like, uh, what an independent filmmaker has to do with, like, you only have this much time in this location and if uh-huh. you don't get what you need yeah. in this location you're fucked yeah that's that's what i'm saying you know yeah. and like and like do will they resort to having to steal you know steal shots and like just not getting their way and having to resort to like ah the old school tricks that i uh-huh. used back then you know because i'm sure you know when scorsese was making taxi driver or king of comedy he wasn't getting everything you know that he yeah. wanted or he mean was, streets definitely yeah he was it. having to like steal he was having probably having to steal shots and like you know, someone saying, you got this much time in my bar or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, do I own a bar? Because you kind of went back into the Tyler voice me? again. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm um, sorry if my yeah. making another inflection <laughs> always sounds like you. Um, but, uh, you know, it's odd that you bring up uh, Coppola because I, I'm real, I've become really fascinated at the, at the notion of the psychological horror as something that is suspenseful, induces a certain degree of paranoia because... Uh, you know, I mean, the conversation is not a horror movie, but there's That's there's a lot. That's definitely one where you'd, he doesn't. I would say that it's kind of a. I would put it in that like a psychological yeah. horror mm-hmm. movie. You know, like he, it's all kind of this lonesome through his eyes. You know, you're yeah. seeing everything being really desolate in his apartment, and you know, uh, um, everything that like maybe a little like there's a little trinket that like he's got that he. You know, he says on the phone right at the beginning, he's like, there's nothing in my place of value except my keys, yeah. you know, and, and uh, you know, he kind of touches this trinket where you think like, hell, oh, he kind of likes that. And then mm. at the end, you see he's, well, I guess I'll rip this apart to see yeah. if there's a bug in there or something like that. And, and that mm. that to me is is. I don't know, in a way, it's it's just as. It's just as uh, it's constructed the same way as the fly, where it just it's it's a slow burn as this guy slowly gets worse and worse, more obsessed, with his, more obsessed with his paranoia and all of that. Uh, and then by the end, he really is now. Of course, he himself is still sympathetic. He's not a monster or anything. But at this point, he's given himself completely over, and he just destroys his entire apartment because he's given himself completely over to his paranoia. And of course, where the dread comes in is that he's probably right. Like he's right to be paranoid, right? Because as we've seen, well, they, they called him. Then, they said, "Just stop. Give yeah. up. We don't want to. You don't want to make it worse." And there is a lot. And of, he's the best. Uh, yeah. And so it's, this is all he cares about in the yeah. world is that he's the best at doing this job. Yeah. And then they've just said, even though you're the best at doing this job, and that's all you care about, we're telling you you're better. So just give up. And then he just yeah. destroys everything. And there's and you know that actually now that I think about it, there is actually some some interesting traditional horror imagery like the blood uh-huh. and uh, and all of that and, and you're the not toilet and stuff like yeah that. Mm-hmm. and you're not even a hundred percent sure like that if real? that's real and yeah it's that that film is is actually uh, would fit very well into this uh, oh I would say so I think it's one of my favorite movies you know oh, what I'm also gonna say about it that people I mean, obviously. Gene Hackman, John Cazale, these people were great in that, that movie. Yeah. I'm going to put it top five Robert Duvall performances of all, t- of, uh, of all time. Even though he's not in the movie a whole lot, mm-hmm. it, I really walk away from that movie. He really sticks with me. I think it's one of his best. And I know Robert Duvall is Tyler's favorite actor of all time. So I, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I, just, I just wanted to know what your thoughts on that are. On that are. Uh, he Do certainly you feel d- that way about him uh, as just personally? 
uh, like you just like him, or you like him as an actor and stuff like that. I like what he rep- I like what he does as an actor. I like the choices that he makes. I like because it, the choices that he makes seems to be rooted in a philosophy that he has about acting. Uh-huh. Um, that which I is what, which is um, just inhabiting the character and not feeling the need to explain the character and his performance. Uh-huh. Um, and just being that. Right. Um, you know the the example I have used a million times uh, on this show uh, alone is. Um, the difference between John Voight and the Rainmaker and, and Robert Duvall in a civil action. Both of them are the opposing counsel in a civil suit representing a big corporation. John Voight recognizes my character is the bad guy, so I will play him as a bad guy. Uh-huh. Whereas Robert du- Now, of course, that's... John Voight uh, used to not be that guy, but... He, he used to not be, and then he became every- my least favorite actor. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> He really does suck now. <laughs> but then but then Duvall just plays him as a guy, just a regular guy who's doing his job and happens to be very good at it, and he yeah. happens to... Robert Duvall, his, yeah. I didn't see Civil Action, but it's like he doesn't think he's the bad guy. He's got a reason right. for doing this stuff. And so, and the way that he can play characters that are over that that could be over the top, and he even plays them as as like loud and blustery, and yet you still completely believe... Like, he's it's, played Joseph Stalin and Eichmann and then in The Apostle... Like, characters that are big and could have been ridiculous, but he, and even when being ridiculous, he makes it all surprisingly plausible. Uh He seems to get cast and thought of like that now, and for the past 20 years or so. I mean, he's, I think, cast mostly uh, based on uh, Kilgore from Apocalypse Now. Like, that's a big part of what people think of. But if you look at him in the conversation, in The Godfather, in THX 1138, he's mild-mannered. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's like the voice of the calm guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I think maybe his performance in Network might have gotten right. him that role in, in uh, Apocalypse Now. Yeah, but um, there's um, uh, I just saw this movie called The Outfit, which was really cool a few months ago at the New Beverly, uh, directed by John Flynn, and he starred in it. It was really cool. Um, cool. We've kind of gotten away from the the thing a little bit, but okay. uh, I had a, a not too worried about it. Thing that um, we. we my brain went to it, and I was like, ah, oh, I forgot it. But um, <laughs> THX, I also saw that recently. You know, I've never seen it. Oh, man. I, I, I'd I seen it many times, but I saw it on the big screen at Arrow. And, oh, yeah? Uh, and it was the, the George Lucas Tinkered With version. And I'll be yeah. honest, it didn't bother me at all. Like, normally I'm like, ah. Oh, and I thought it was better. I thought it was great. It mm. was really... That's got to be... It was really good. That's got to be a great theatrical experience. It was I just such a good theatrical experience. With, I just, with, it was a double feature with Duel and THX. It was a, like such a good time. That's awesome. But I just think the, just the, over, the overwhelming use of pure white in THX 1138 would have a huge impact in a, on a big screen uh-huh. like that. Like, I mean, essentially filling the whole room. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, ima- I imagine that would that, just, that would change my view of the movie. Th- that's another movie which I would say embodies his philosophy. Is that like that you were describing just now? Is that mm-hmm. the movie doesn't? Um, it's not going to tell you what everything is doing. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a lot of business in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's about a lot of business. Yeah. Um, like, uh, and I mean, I mean business of it, like what you know, like the techno things, like people are operating machinery or people are like doing just little things and. And they're doing it like it's part of everyday life. Well, this is their job. That you know, they live in this in this dystopian world, and um, uh, so everything is routine. Even though we don't recognize it as something that we see, you know, mm-hmm. like to me, it's like, wow, I'm washing my dishes. You know, 
like it's it's as if they're washing their dishes or whatever. Right. And uh um but they're doing these things which are, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Yes. Yeah. Bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, better sci-fi. E. <laughs> I don't have an adjective. <laughs> the and actually, THS, THX eleven thirty eight, which I haven't seen, as I mentioned, um, I reminds me. You really me, like it? I think you should check it out. It's I think Robert I would Duvall too. Um, you know, I feel like there's actually a lot of there's a lot of sci-fi movies that would fit into the idea of the psychological thriller, and of course, Cronenberg crosses that line quite a yeah. bit oh yeah definitely no, this is I mean, it's very far from horror but it has some creepy elements to it and that's uh solaris oh, i yeah. guess both versions yeah yeah i haven't seen either of them um i'm not a big fan of soderbergh's version but i am a big fan of tchaikovsky's i've only seen the soderbergh version so i think that's probably why i like it so much um but that's you know it just seems like a cliff notes i guess right and that's <laughs> if all you've read is the cliff notes but the idea of, I mean, this guy being, like, in space, literally light years away yeah. from his home, and then seeing his dead wife in the flesh, you yeah. know, not not just like a ghostly yeah. apparition or whatever, like actually con- confronting his dead wife. I was so happy you just said apparition. <laughs> um, that's... That, that there's definitely a horror element to that, even though it's not a horror film, right? And just and there's and there's definitely that that whole story. Of course, I've only seen the the more recent one, but that whole story is inherently psychological because his his brain is making this essentially. It's not, but something responding to his brain and his desires. Yeah. It's spoilers. I, I yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you know what? Solaris is not the kind of movie that needs yeah, yeah. spoilers. I remember what, what I was going to say. Uh, I want to take a left turn um, uh, and bring us t- uh, up to David Mamet. I don't. I've oh, we can't talk about Solaris. I got bored. I we don't can know talk about the outfit and all these movies <laughs> I haven't seen. Well, I didn't get that into. It. I just said it was a good movie. Okay. Well, then uh, you should see Solaris. Okay. How familiar are you guys with David Mamet's movies? He uh, more than I, but definitely pretty familiar. I, yes. I just been. I just kind of been watching a whole bunch of them. I watched uh, um, Homicide. I yeah. watched House of Games. I watched um, Edmund. Oh, okay, yeah. I uh, didn't see that one. You didn't? Uh, yeah, some well, friends said that they thought it was only so-so. I, I liked it. I mean, I it was certainly not like... Uh, it was just a thing. It was like, what, like okay, so this is a thing. You know, if, uh, I guess to watch David Mamet... Oh, and I watched Red Belt, which I thought was awesome. Really? Oh, you didn't I, like it? I, that I was, hated it. I thought it was so good. I, I Why did you really? hate it? I think it? it ended up being my least favorite it movie It was also of 2007. Why did you hate it? Uh, I I don't uh, was I I feel like he was like playing a prank on me or something because by the end it's such a conventional story like a, yeah it has such a Hollywood ending it does in, in and what way well that okay that he is able to like <laughs> infiltrate the MMA fight at the end uh, not even infiltrate but just like I guess on the basis of being a good person is somehow allowed to go up. And and fight the guy who, it it just didn't well, make any. It, it seemed like there was a lot of suspension of disbelief and things that would only happen in a movie. He and wasn't he. Well, he wasn't. He didn't go in the ring to fight him. He was. He just like the guy was like, "I'm going to fight you now." He was right. the 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 guy was like, "You're but going to ruin my theater, career." So I could be a little. He was like, "You're going to ruin my career. I'll fight you." And you know, and then he has no choice but to fight him. But he was going to go up and just actually spill the beans about. Yeah. Spoiler alert! But he was going to go and spill the beans about like. 
look, these guys are using my my trick that I that I teach, you know. Yeah. And and I'm it's not is, how what I'm trying to teach. Him yeah, him pe- getting into that ring in front of all those people with that kind of that kind. But he of didn't get into the event. ring. Okay, you know what I'm saying. Him getting him that far for- into this event. It could only happen in a movie. Like in the, a, way, in a, the way that I would in dis- real life, he would have been stopped four steps before. He the way died. that I would describe no, it is because he was so awesome that he, <laughs> he stopped them all. But my, no one could beat him. He's the best. The and thing, we actually get. We've been ta- They've been telling us the whole movie like he's awesome, but he doesn't use fighting for this reason. And then we actually get to see him stop every single person. The way I describe it, uh, it's very much like Aaron Brockovich. Everyone has gotten the memo is. that this guy is the main character. So like. Like, hey, guys, stop that guy. Oh, I'm sorry. Hang on a minute. Don't stop him. He's the main character. We're all just supporting <laughs> players. Like, that, everyone treats him as if they know that, oh, this guy's way more important than I am. So let's just let him through. Uh, I didn't think it was. I thought it was played as, like, he's respected am- amongst the community, but he's not, uh, but he's not, like, he doesn't do the things everyone else does. His his main goal is just to run a school. He just wants to run a school and teach. The and teachings. get credit for that one thing and get glory. Which thing? The the thing he didn't like that people stole from him. He didn't want to get credit for it. He wanted to expose that they were exploiting it. Right, because it's supposed to be used honorably or something. I haven't seen it. Yeah, something like that. The, but I don't, I don't want to talk about Red Belt as much as I want to talk about <laughs> right. Edmund and because that that's I don't know my modern man I think he's. I don't know a lot about David Mamet, but I, you know, I guess I'm slowly learning it. I think he's trying to do something different nowadays than he was then. You Have know, you seen Spartan? Of, no, it's awesome. We really? love Spartan. I'll check yeah. that out. I, I think I remember seeing Heist in the theater and think it was pretty good. But I like, like Heist a lot. I, I, I want to rewatch that. But but uh, Homicide and House of Games. Yeah, Homicide less so, but House of Games and Edmund are both kind of these things of like a person kind of trailing into madness, you know, and it's kind of this journey. It's like, and, and it, and it takes place in this sort of like, I guess reality that David Mamet seems to set of like, you know, well, this is the world that it's in. And, and you know how he, he, he has a specific way of writing his dialogue right. and stuff like that, which is, you know, Mametian, you yeah. know, he uses a lot of the iambic pentameter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of makes it gives it a different feel, like a, like a bit of a dreamy feel, you know. It's like Edmund is, and it's directed by Stuart Gordon. Um, I think if you like David Mamet, I would say definitely watch it. It's, I didn't know that that he directed. Yeah, Stuart it's, Gordon it's weird. It's like wow, the director of Reanimator did a David Mamet, and it's got all his cast of characters in it. Yeah. It's got his wife, and it's got William H Macy, and um, I um, do hear it's a very because it's a basically just it's interesting about this I guy who's it. vaguely sociopathic. He's yeah, he is just and walking then, through life, right, and doing terrible things. He's not walking through. He kind of gets set off. Okay, at the beginning, and he's like, "Well, I've had it," and then he like he kind of goes off into the night, and he's like, "I'm gonna do a thing that I've been wanting to do for a while, and I want to connect with someone." So and, it's, you know, it's you, David Mamet's answer to falling down. A little bit. I mean, yeah. but but you really hate. There's times in falling down when you're on Michael Douglas's side, and Defense. there's a time, yeah, and then there's a time where you're like, oh, he's crossing the line. Like, mm-hmm. um, I guess that happens too with William H Macy. Well, there's things that William H Macy does and says where you're like, this guy's a fucking asshole. Like, I don't uh-huh. like him at all. Yeah, I actually feel that way a lot when David Mamet, like his kind of lead characters, become like unbelievably racist or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe it's just the, the, Maybe you just the, think the, that the extreme you're right and wrong in, in my mind is like, 
is like, this is wrong. This is right. This is what were you saying just now? Uh, I was making a terrible joke. I, didn't hear you. Oh. I said maybe you just think that because you're a Jew. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> this is David Mamet's Battleship Pretension. <laughs> um, fuck. But uh, <laughs> fuck. Fuck. I'm sorry. Fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fuck. The fuck. The fuck you. The fuck you, man. But uh, yeah, that's the way a lot of his dialogue is. Yeah. It's all like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I'm saying repetitive. Yeah, say there's a guy. Listen, <laughs> like someone will just have a thought. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, and and House of Games is also like Lindsay Krause's character is like she's kind of obsessed uh, with the world, and so she just kind of keeps chasing it. And they're both kind of like it's got these characters who are just kind of like. Chasing something, you know, there's like a dissatisfaction with their world and their kind of. I'll be honest, that's another one I think is a little overrated. What House of Games? I I I think I liked it. It was like um, you could kind of also see like you know how Paul Thomas Anderson's early stuff. It's like a a clear like kind of amalgam of different people. Like Mm -hmm. he he used to like you would listen to his interviews and stuff. I know I would when I was like a teenager and think like this guy's awesome. And, like, he did talk about Jonathan Demme and stuff, and it's like... But I don't remember him ever mentioning David Mamet, but it's like, oh, he's using all David Mamet's actors, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's clear Hard Eight is, like, you know, very, like, early Mamet. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also a bit of Scorsese. Yeah, early you know. Mamet and Scorsese, like, um, homage, a lot of that going on. Like, with the cards and, like, the tricks about counting cards and Richie yeah. J and all that sort of stuff. Speaking it's, of... Uh, of um, Jonathan Demi, uh, Silence of the Lambs oh, is yeah. definitely to get back on topic a little bit. Uh, it, where, would, where would that fall for you guys in the in the psychological department? Because it's not, I guess, at no point are you questioning whether or not Clarice is experiencing reality, right? But there is definitely a psychological element to the way that um, that Hannibal Lecter. Fucks with gets her. into her mind, yeah, sort of a thing, yeah. And well, and, and, he, just, and Jonathan Demme is a guy who came from from genre filmmaking. I think mm. he he there there are lots of elements of Silence of the Lambs that are uh, aesthetically cribbed from the horror genre. I think, especially mm. like there's Escape. Well, oh my, and, yes. and not only what happens in it, but even the way that that it's uh you know the the locale of where he's being kept and the and the way right. that it's photographed and, and presented yeah. is is uh it's almost like he's a hellraiser or something yeah it's very it's a very gothic kind of thing and i mm-hmm. i'm as as listeners know i'm a i'm i like manhunter a great deal more but it's a very similar kind of thing because the movies do you like manhunter more than Silence of the lambs yes i do um but both movies i i don't think of them as like up for comparison really yeah, I, yeah. Other I than mean, they had, they both have Hannibal Lecter in them, right? But for I, I me, just, I think of them as just different, like just different movies. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, I mean, I don't want to be like, oh, this one sucks because this one's awesome. They are very different. The style is different. The all, yeah, the, the cast is completely different. But I not, just not completely. I'm sorry. In uh, every time I think about Michael Mann, I find myself falling a little less, falling a little more out of love with him. Uh, I still love The Insider, Heat. Also, nineteen ninety nine, uh, The Insider. No, yes, that's right. No. Heat. Is, I rewatched it recently. You liked it's, it. I thought you liked it. It's still mostly good. Yeah, but there, uh, there are just things about it that that bother me. I have a rewatch Heat. I think every time I talk about it, 
try to watch it, I'm always like, yeah, yeah, and there's big chunks that don't stick with me. I don't remember. Mm. Yeah, it's very long. <laughs> um, you know what I rented Prince in the City I plan on watching you guys seen, seen that? that it's Sidney Lumet with Treat Williams I'm like you know what mm. I'm gonna under, I'm gonna do this well, speaking do of Michael Mann rumors abound that uh, Criterion is gonna release Thief oh nice uh, nice oh. neat is what I yeah. meant to say and uh, speaking of Jonathan Demme there's rumors that Criterion is going to be releasing Something Wild which I would love I just rewatched that, that. A, that is a great great movie I just rewatched that did you see uh, a couple weeks ago um the GQ thing this month or last month in, in GQ, the the twenty year retrospective of Goodfellas, because it, it's, it's I heard it's twenty so, what, years. What, what did they say about it? They essentially they interview like fifty people, and then it's just sort of an oral history, like interview, you know, pieces of the interview. Yeah, over I the, saw that posted on someone's Facebook wall, and I was like, ooh, and then my like internet cut out or froze up, and I was like, fuck. I think it's still in stores. It's got Ryan Reynolds on the cover. You should you should grab it. It's really great. But it, it's revealed that the main reason Ray Liotta got cast as Henry Hill is because something Scorsese wild. had seen him in Something Wild. Yeah, mm. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, he's so good in it. He's, he really he just lights great. up the movie. Have you seen Something Wild? No. I, sh- I should lend it to you when I lend you video. It's a real good Ray Liotta. <laughs> um, need a Ray Liotta fix. That's mm-hmm. right, yeah. You told me then all about it and I remember a lot of bad choices. Was it? Movie-wise. Ray Liotta? Yeah. You didn't like uh, No Escape? I did like it when I was younger, but then I tried to rewatch it about a year ago. And oh, I got really? Bored. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know. I was. I put on. I was working a shift at Cinephile, and I put on uh, Turbulence. And, uh, <laughs> I never saw that for fun. And I was like, and there was just something that like made no sense to me at all. And I started complaining about it. And then someone quickly reminded me that it's not regarded as a good movie. <laughs> 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 I was like, why is he doing that when we're supposed to be? Oh, it's a bad movie. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. got it. Right, right. No, um, right. To go back a little bit. Uh, to like Silence of the Lambs and uh, and and Manhunter is uh, I will compare them in the sense that of course they're both based on uh, Thomas Harris. Is I think it Thomas so. Harris? Something like that. Um, Some boring. Exactly. Not a memorable name, but uh, and of course, yeah, you're right. They Clarice always has a firm handle on reality, but the idea of those movies is that the main characters have to delve into the mentality mm-hmm. of somebody that has done this. Now, of course, Will Graham, Will, uh, William Peterson's character, that's that's the nature of what his character does is he gets inside their heads. But the whole thing is all about changing your own perspective to that of somebody who does not have the morals you do or maybe in, maybe even doesn't have morals at all, like literal mm-hmm. psychopaths, and what that might be like. And that's I think that's what the psychological horror part is. Is literally looking at like looking at uh, Jamie Gum, played by, wonderfully by Ted Levine, mm-hmm. and just seeing that, yeah, he wants to be a woman and he wants to make himself a woman's skin suit, and there's nothing in him that is saying, "Hey, maybe I won't do that. Maybe that's <laughs> I don't think this is right." Like, just that literal because hey, who who doesn't want a woman's skin suit? But all of us, the three of us, hopefully have at some point said, no, thank you. I don't think that's the right thing to do. Right. I'll just buy it off of eBay. I won't get my own. <laughs> you know, and that, so... Silence of the Lambs was 1991. Yes. I think so, yeah. Um, and then, it's if you look at um, thrillers from then, mm-hmm. before Silence of the Lambs, er, and around the period, there was a, a big series of, um, you know, person coming into your life and weaseling their way in and I can't trust them movies like Single White Female Single White Hand Female Hand That Rocks the Cradle Hand That Rocks the Cradle Pacific Heights The Sitter Unlawful what Entry was, What was it called The Babysitter The Temp uh, The Babysitter I didn't see that one but Isn't like, that one of them? 
Sleeping with the Enemy? Sleeping with did, the did, Enemy. Hey, did I make up that movie? What? The Babysitter? Is I that think a movie? that's a different horror movie. Oh, okay. Um, I know about the, the sequel, I'm, The, the crush, Babysitter's Club. The Crush. The, maybe, you know what? The Crush is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, Where's the one with Carrie Ellis? That's The Crush. The Crush, okay. Um, Fear? Fear was a few years afterwards. Right. Um, I just wanted to keep naming And then, uh, uh, so there were all those movies that were very trendy. Um, yeah. And I, and I think I really liked Hand That Rocks the Cradle when I was like nine. But then after, after Silence of the Lambs, there was a slew of I'm a crazy killer. Mm-hmm. I'm a crazy killer movies. Right. Like Copycat. Copycat, The Bone Collector. The was, Bone Collector. Well, was a of years Bone Collector was kind of came after Seven, but Seven was even spillage from Silence of the Lambs, yeah. I would say. Uh, even That's though I think true. Seven's great. But Me like, too. um And, and uh, Just Cause. You remember the trailer for that with Ed Harris? Seek and you shall find. I never saw it. I always thought the movie was called Just Cause. Just Cause. <laughs> <laughs> Just Cause. Uh, then you realize there's no apostrophe. Yeah. Right. Um, but, like, I remember just thinking, no like... apostrophe. I learned a, that from the Matrix. It's always like, there's a killer on the loose, and only a killer can tell the cop how to find the killer. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... I know how it thinks, but you want to get into his mind, you got to let me get into your mind first. That's basically... What, what voice is that? That's your voice. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's me doing impression of uh, Jimmy J.J. Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Seven, actually, I think is a good example, too, because it, it is interesting when I, I was watching, uh, actually, special features on Silence of the Lambs the other day, and uh, somebody said, you know, I, I, I never really thought of it as a horror movie, but people talk about it as a horror movie. And I feel like people talk about Seven in the same way. I mean, they think of it as a drama, of course, or a psychological thriller, Mm -hmm. but not a horror movie. But I think for many of the same reasons as Silence of the Lambs, you're right, they are very similar uh, thematically. Yeah. Because they really take you inside the head of John Doe Mm -hmm, and what that would look like and how ugly it would be. Right. And uh, Like the cell. Like the (laughs) the The cell cell was still... you know, late, late, late '90s seven spillage, which came out 2000. But yeah, the, I was. Uh, did you like the cell? I did. Every time he weren't in his mind, I was like, "Oh, can we get back into the person's <laughs> yeah, mind? Yeah. This is so boring." If you have the opportunity to be in here, why are you taking us out? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But that's and that that's an interesting idea as well. Though I, I don't think I was ever. I don't think I was ever scared at that movie. I think I was more mar- marveling at the. Set decoration and such. Yeah, I mean, there's some creepy. Yeah. Did you know images. that Copycat and Seven came out? I believe the same weekend. Really? I oh think my. so. And I did not see Seven until later on. I think I saw Copycat in the theater with my parents. I don't think I saw either in the theater, but I did see Copycat first because my mom liked it a lot. Yeah, and uh, I remember there's so much stupid stuff it's in that Seven movie. for moms. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Sigourney Weaver's agoraphobic, and. Um, but there's a part where, like, she gets an email, or maybe Holly Hunter gets an email from, like, the killer, and it's, like, it's a, it's a, it's a letter with wings flying onto her computer oh, yeah. out of nowhere. And then it stops, and she clicks it, and it's a video of a girl dancing and then in, like, a park, and then she turns around, and it's, like, a skull face, and you hear, like, and it's, like... I don't think anyone could make someone else's computer do that now. <laughs> <laughs> like, just have some random email program where a thing flies. Like, what's this thing? I never get emails like this. Uh-huh. And, yeah. uh, well, that's the thing is back then you could just uh, 
no one knew what the limits of computers would be, and so uh, they could just show. They didn't show what was happening on screen. They would just show someone clackety clacking on the, and they'd just be like, "We're in," yeah, and yeah. then uh, it's done. All right, uh, that uh, mainframe. Ah 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 ah. Wayne Knight, the most terrifying man ever. Um, <laughs> What's that from? Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Oh, uh, uh, starring our good friend Whit Hertford. Whit Hertford. Um, what was I going to say? Oh well. Yeah, we didn't know what what computer. This is, this is of course in the days before the yeah. social network. And it, exactly. Everything's different now. We think, know exactly. Do you think thirty years from now we'll look at movies specifically or human civilization in terms of before and after the social network was released? <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. Uh, David is being sarcastic here. Uh, he is not. But he raises it. a good point. <laughs> <laughs> He's not seen the film. It fascinates me how angry you get at a film before having even I'm seen it. I'm not angry. I want to see it. No, I it know. It sounds but great. Just, Everyone says it's good. Why? Why are you? Why was he saying you're angry about it? Just the. I think. I know. Here's the thing. The I hyperbole, admittedly, can make someone be like, "Easy there." I do have a tendency oh, yeah. to whenever the film nerd community gets excited. Super excited about a thing. Kick ass. I, yeah, I want to use whatever limited exposure I have to deflate it, to just take the legs out from under it. I, I didn't pay any attention to that, and, and I went in, like, I'm a little, I, I used to be like, anything David Fincher does, uh, I'm there for day, and I'm a little, like, over it. Like, I don't, I'm not of the mind that David Fincher can do no wrong. I'm so excited. I, I never felt like that, because I... I did for, like, after Fight Club, I was, you know, See, big Fight Club And I didn't fan. like Fight Club. I didn't... I you know what here's the thing but I yeah I just think oh well he's um, you know he's a good director we I were guess. talking briefly uh, before we recorded about film spotting and they recently did one of their polls was just uh, David Fincher or Christopher Nolan and uh, and I really had to think about it because Christopher Nolan I think is more consistent and has disappointed me less but if Christopher Nolan stopped making films right now I'd be grateful for what he gave me. Mm-hmm. If David Fincher stopped making films right now, I'd be sad because I think he, the, his best work is yet to come. And because as much as I don't like things like Fight Club and the game and Alien 3 and Panic Room, he made Zodiac, which yeah. is one of the best films of the decade. Not only one of the best films of 2007. It's, yes. a, it's a really unique, different type of movie. I yeah, think. and yeah. and I want to see Benjamin what Button else. Is a, I oh, could I didn't really do that. without Benjamin Button. No. I didn't even see that. Where, and, and Christopher Nolan, I don't, uh, however I felt about Inception, I don't... I love The Dark Knight. I don't I dislike mean, that him. Was, that was... Yeah. I like uh, Memento. I like, I like his insomnia. You don't like The Prestige, but I like it a lot. I don't love The Prestige. Okay. But yeah, I don't, I don't hate it the way I hated Inception. <laughs> but Zodiac, you know, it's odd that you bring up Zodiacs. Look at me getting back into the topic. I'm so excited. Um... But Zodiac, I think, because I remember I saw it's another one that you could say psychological. Very much he so. He becomes obsessed with the thing, and and I'm reminded. Well, yeah, of, we, we uh, did. You talked about one of case. our topics for a Halloween episode was supernatural horror versus natural horror, right? And often serial killer movies are horror movies, even though there's nothing supernatural about them. Yeah, the blockbuster that I worked at, uh, we uh, we carried a movie called The Boston Strangler, featuring a, featuring a really good performance by uh, Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis, love that movie. And Richard Fleischer directed that movie, and. He actually makes a lot. He's he's. Uh, you could put him under someone who make a lot of good psychological thrillers. Hmm. And and that's the thing is, I uh, second part of I think Boston Strangler kind of fizzles out a little bit. But the first 
half of it is amazing. I it, think. Zodiac, I think, owes a lot to it because it's just as much about... Well, I mean, we see a lot of the killer. We don't see much of the killer in Zodiac. We see mostly the investigation. A lot of but we see both in uh, the Boston Strangler. But it was in the horror section. I remember just being like, shouldn't this be more in the drama section? But then you watch it and you realize... We were talking about the paranoia that characters feel. You watch Zodiac, you watch the Boston Strangler, and then you realize the paranoia that you feel like as you go walking to the i believe you had a story about seeing zodiac right in the theater uh-huh and uh in which you stayed till Remind the end me. of the credits uh-huh just you and another guy who was like a row behind you uh-huh. like almost right behind you yeah and you said you actually felt like uh i don't what just instinctively because that's the that's the mindset that zodiac untrusting. put you in you, f- you felt very untrusting suspicious and, and when walk, you know, when, is that when you right? watch, hmm? I don't want to get this into semantics, but would I be suspicious? I'm suspicious of him, but or or but it's because he's suspicious. What is someone what is seemed th- suspicious to you, or you okay. were suspicious of someone? There, but which there are two are different uses of the word? But they're both legitimate. Um, yeah, you you are suspicious of someone, and he is suspicious to me. Yeah, he, someone he seems suspicious to me. You are what well, one is a verb, I think, or an adverb, and one is uh, an adjective. So if someone it seems no, suspicious, adjectives. but you're suspicious of someone. Oh, I just is that well, but but when you say you're suspicious of someone, that seems like describing an emotion towards. But an it's action. still describing thing, which is an adjective. Is that an adverb? Suspiciously. No, if I did something suspiciously, that would be an adverb. You sus- you you suspicion uh, is a noun. You suspicioned. Boy, am I suspicious. Suspecting suspecting, is a verb, but if you use it as a noun, like I'm doing some suspecting, that's a gerund. A gerund? Gerund. Oh, I don't know that word. J-E-R-U-N-D. An I-N-G word when used as a noun So wait, are you saying, though, after you saw it, you were suspicious of someone in the theater? There's only only me and another guy, and I was suspicious of him. So you suspected him of something. I suspected him. I was doing some suspecting, which Uh is a gerund. You you (laughs) You felt he was suspect to... Right. ...being... Criminal, yes. Which is also being criminal. I'm using that as an adjective, even though criminal could also be a noun. There you go. So well, we, I language. Don't we, we love have it? Arrived at a natural end to this episode. You know, here's the thing. While you guys were jerking each other off just now, I realized we haven't brought up Hitchcock at all. Yeah, I thought about him. An hour and, and I, you know, and I minutes. thought about it. I, you know, why I didn't bring him up. Okay, because he doesn't have. Um, I, I he the only movie I could think of. That uh, well, he's got one called Suspicion. The only movie I could think of that's that like uh, oh, never mind. I guess I'm eat my foot because I now that I said that I thought of like ten other oh, okay. movies. I was gonna say I I don't think of a lot of movies where it's like is it all in their mind or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, I believe is it Notorious or Suspicion the one where the wife thinks that Cary Grant is a killer. Suspicion. That's Suspicion. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that's one of the ones that's like psychological because yeah. it's like you never know who you know who the who the um, you never know if it's in her mind or if she, yeah. you know. But rear, rear window, rear is window, kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, where if you just trying watch to prove things, someone. Well, and just if you watch something long enough, you start to realize that everyone acts a little bit weird, and if somebody acts weird in a certain way. You never know. They could be this, you know. Mm, right. Um, and it creates it creates that paranoia that we were talking about. But, uh, but yeah. So here's the thing. I do want to. I do want to end. See. Okay. okay. I wanted to end uh, real quick by just kind of doing a quick 
recap so that uh, not a not a recap, just like throwing out some titles that we've talked about that we mm-hmm. highly recommend people watch that people may not instinctively think of around Halloween time to right. watch the Boston Strangler, Boston Strangler, Repulsion, Repulsion, The Tenant, I think. OK, what else do we talk about? Who knows? We talked about uh, a simple plan. Sure. Uh, let's see. Um, I would say it's not psychological thriller, but it's mm-hmm. a great, uh, great you know movie to watch around this time. Uh, Legend of Hell House, the Legend of Hell House. All right, and then uh, you really like the Last Man on Earth, uh, Josh. I don't then, say. I, 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 I think not, it's worth if watching. I'm, if I'm coming up with my movies to recommend at the end of the podcast, okay. I'm not going to s- stick that one in there. Okay, but, but there I was, was I liked it, but I'm, it's not the one. But there was a lot of Cronenberg uh, in there as well. There was mm-hmm. Videodrome. I would say Videodrome before The Fly because okay. uh, I think I just think that's a cooler movie. Yeah, um, and, and uh, uh, The Brood. Actually Brood. deals oh, with a psychologist or psychiatrist, mm-hmm. so we could. If we're talking about psychological. How could we stuff. not have mentioned the Brood so far? That is a well, great was, movie. I, I was trying to move us it's away really from Cronenberg because it's like, yeah. well, we don't no. want to make it a whole Cronenberg episode, right? I, right. I, I like. I realized that I've seen more Cronenberg movies than I realized I had because I the Dead Zone because I yeah because I haven't seen Naked Lunch. I often think that I because that's one of the big ones. Yeah. I think like uh, I've never seen it either. Episode. Yeah, but I, I've, I've never seen, seen Fast Company either. Yeah, no. Rabbit is another good one. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, Shivers is Shivers. sort of like a sexual zombie movie where everyone turns like into that. a sexual. Zombie. Yeah, Shivers is an odd little piece of cinema where uh, alien type things that look like uh, phalluses uh, make their way into a person's mouth and then uh, they are obsessed with uh, having sex. Uh huh. Very that strange. Cool. Very strange. So, Manhunter. Manhunter. Not Red Dragon. Not Red Dragon. Yeah. I would say go rent, go rent Just Cause. Which just, just cause, just cause, <laughs> with Ed Harris going seek, and you shall find. Uh, oh, and another, and also uh, instinct. Never had to control you on a thought you did. Before Manhunter, I remember what I wanted to say. I caught Manhunter, and then I caught on HBO or Showtime or something the other day uh, a little bit of To Live and Die in L.A., which is not a great movie. Okay, I like it. Um, it's got some really great stuff in it, but overall, I think it's uh, a little hokey. Uh. But it's funny, like, after eight years of him being on CSI, it's funny to look back and realize there's about a year or two there where William Peterson was, like, the coolest motherfucker hot, on the planet. A hot, a hot entity. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't mean, like, he was just, people thought he was cool. If you watch To Live and Die in L.A., he is a badass. He's mm-hmm. a cool guy. So. Well, all right, then. I haven't seen that. But I do like him in Manhunter. I think he's very good in He's it. cool. Well, we're talking about he's William Friedkin. <laughs> uh, I think The Hunted's a really underrated movie. I do enjoy The Hunted. And I'm, I remember you and I had this discussion uh, the very first time you were on, episode 48. Oh, yeah. How much I think we enjoyed I just the watched it. The yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's not Night of fr- the Hunter. That's kind of, It's yeah. another one, which is. I, uh, it's very dreamlike. It's very dreamlike. And another one that Criterion is going to be putting out. I think. That's oh, really? Right. Yeah, that's cool. very, yeah. I think that's official. I don't think that's a That is official, anymore. yeah. yeah. Um, um, I would say check out um, some of the Mammoth stuff. I I, th- I think uh, what – I guess I'm reluctant to recommend it as saying like, it's a good movie, but I, I think he's like – I don't know. Without knowing a lot about him, I, I think he's like important. Well, if you want to know about him, you could go back to our archives and yeah. look at episode one. 60? I want to say 160, yes. Wow, you remember you had a big mammoth? Episode? Well, every every 10 yeah. episodes we profile someone. Yeah. And we did about two and a half hours on mammoth. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We yeah. Had a lot I'm, a to big, say. I'm a big fan of him, but also, really? you know, 
What about his movies that are more like studio movies like The Edge and stuff like that? I uh, think we devoted a lot of time to The Edge. A surprising actually. amount, yes. Uh-huh. Um, I like that movie. I do too. A lot. Except yeah. uh, the dedication to Bart the Bear at the end. But, um, What's wrong with that? It's a bear. Like, it's the la- like a, it ends on a very profound moment and it says, the producers would like to thank Bart the Bear. Bart can't read. Like, just... If you want to put it at the end of the credits, maybe they're saying, that's fine. Maybe they're saying, you know, it's about the animals. Respect the animals. That's what the message of the movie is. The, they're, they're the movie's all about killing this animal that's before it kills you. Yeah, but there's so respect. Respect the the fight with use the every animal. part of the bear if you're going to kill it. Respect right. No, respect you you the bear's bear? purpose. Do I think? Well, what one man can do, another can do. <laughs> that's a line from the movie. Yeah, and it's not true. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. It's at all. absolutely not true. <laughs> um, but I do. Yeah, I want. I want to end like you know, Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like these, those are the movies that everyone just jumps Put to those immediately. On the back burner this year. You've seen them already. Did we you know those? I, let's let's just keep this episode, episode going. Did okay. you? Um, uh, speaking of those, like movies that have turned into franchises, there was an interview just recently on the AV Club with Tony Todd. Oh yeah, he talked about how people. Want to reboot the Candyman franchise? Did he tell him bad I, idea because do it's bad. No, he said he said that if he could be involved, it would be a pretty big paycheck for him, and he might do it. I, so. I, I'd be down because <laughs> hey, I could use the work. It's a good interview. He comes off like a really cool, really smart guy, and a, and it, it which makes sense because Candyman is a great, great movie. I don't know when the last time you watched it. Is, I don't remember Josh. thinking it that great. But I, it's been a long time, so maybe I had seen. I liked it as a horror movie when I was younger, and then watched it again. I guess in college, and saw that there's just it's a it's a really smart and serious minded movie, but it's also very scary, hmm. and it has a score by Philip Glass. I watched huh. uh, interesting. Oh, I like Philip Glass. I watched one called Fright recently, starring Susan George, uh-huh. uh, who plays the wife in Straw Dogs. Hmm. Oh, uh, the you know sexy blonde lady with crooked teeth. And uh, this is a movie Snag where, she, yeah, she gets you know manhang manhandling manhandled and stri- and scared and stuff, and she plays a babysitter of uh, a couple who the mom's husband is, is in a mental institution, and then he escapes, and then he terrorizes her within his house, and it's a pretty good thriller. What's uh, it called again? Fright. Fright. Okay. Uh, from the seventies, and directed by Peter Collinson, um, and. I also watched one starring this actress, Pamela Franklin, who was also in The Innocents, which I suggested, uh, and um, Legend of Hell House, which I suggest. And I think I was like, well, what else was she in from that period? It's another Brit- She was in a bunch of British thrillers, and this one was called uh, And Soon the Darkness. And I was like, never heard of this movie. Cool cover. And I watched it, and it was really kind of different. It was like a scary movie in the outdoors, you know, about like mm. two girls like kind of on... Um, you know, going through Europe. They're both British girls, but they're, like, going through different parts of Europe and, like, oh, he's cute. And um, uh, and I watched it. There were some slow parts, but I thought it was pretty good. And then the other day, I went on Apple.com slash trailers, and out of nowhere, there's a remake of it. There's a trailer it, for a remake of it. And it's still called... In- and Soon the Darkness, and it stars the guy from Star Trek who played... Um, uh, LeVar Burton. No, no, no. The guy from the Star Trek, J.J. Abrams Star Trek, who played Damn It, Jim, I'm a Doctor. Carl Urban. I didn't see that. It starts Carl Urban. Yeah. And and, and it's weird watching the trailer of a movie that's a remake that no one knows about the original movie and Mm -hmm. think like, wow, 
They're very similar looking sets and colors, but then this one just is modern looking and I don't know. It it didn't look as exciting to me. Maybe trailers can really make something look crappy. It may mm-hmm. even be a good movie inside there, but I remember watching thinking, oh, this looked crappy. I pretty much had tried. I try not to watch trailers anymore. I mean, you can't help it when you go to the movies. Yeah. They show them they're real big, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not, not all the places you can look, but I, I just don't. Uh, I've I've fallen out of love with trailers. Uh, I don't seek them out that much, but uh, every once in a while, I'll just kind of, for one reason or another, just pick one to watch and uh recently the trailer for blue valentine looks uh it's just a well-done trailer also interesting looking movie it is nc-17 so um something you said about a woman being terrorized i guess you talk about fright woman being terrorized in a house Uh you're talking about a british woman and for some reason it made me think of a great movie about a british woman being terrorized not only in a house but by a house Uh it's called demon seed demon seed oh yeah truly christy and she gets raped by a computer in the movie (laughs) yeah it's a it's a pretty awesome movie voiced by uh robert vaughn donald camel directed that one yeah and it's um yeah the the it's uh, takes place in a near future where her her rich scientist husband has a Completely automated house. Based on the, Dean Arcoont's uh, book. Oh, is that right? I didn't yeah. know that. Uh, and then the house becomes obsessively in love with yeah. Julie Christie and, uh, and who uh, also in creating its own progeny. Yeah. With it's Julie able to uh, synthesize Christie. spermatozoa. Uh, and, and while yeah. we're on Julie Christie it, topic, maybe check out Don't Look Now with sure. Donald Sutherland's yes. butt. <laughs> and Julie Christie. Yeah. And a little person in a red robe. Never saw it. Uh, it's a good one. You've never yeah. seen Don't Look Now? No. Check it out. I, it Not to be great. confused with Don't Look Back with Bob Dylan. Right. Mm. Yeah. What about Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead? That's not as psychological as I think. That's it's just a, a jump out and grab you. But uh, I always enjoy a good Keith Coogan performance. <laughs> the dishes Absolutely. are done, man. Yeah. <laughs> Toy Soldiers and now this. Yeah, that um, movie's awesome, Toy Soldiers. I used to watch that all the time when I was younger. I like Small Soldiers. Yeah, I like that yeah. too. Okay, let's wrap this up. Indeed, yes. Uh, But yeah, I wanted to throw this out there just in case somebody wanted something a little different to watch for uh, Halloween, and I'm sure you... uh, I think hopefully you got a lot of suggestions. Yeah. Every time, I feel like every time Josh comes on the show, I I get a lot of suggestions. Absolutely, absolutely. very good at watching movies that I have not seen. Oh, thank you. Keep it up. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, All right. Next time I'll be back with a slew of more ones. A slew? (laughs) All right. A slew. A slew of more ones. All right. Is that redundant? You, okay, go. you can uh, yeah. find us at BattleshipRetention.com or in iTunes. You can email us, David at BattleshipRetention.com or Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at Twitter.com slash ThePretension, or you can follow Tyler on Twitter at Twitter.com slash MoreLessons, which is the official Twitter feed of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at MoreThanOneLesson.com or in iTunes. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review podcast, Previously On, at PreviouslyOnShow.com or in iTunes. Josh, where can people find you on the Internet? Facebook. Uh, and Twitter, twitter.com slash Josh Fadem, J-O-S-H-F-A-D-E-M. And that, so, is, that uh, is a good follow, by the way. I was going to say, a worthy follow. Thank yes. you. Please Thank follow you Josh much. Fadem. You're very good at Twitter. Thank well you. Done. I try to keep it, I try to keep it just, uh, just funny things to say, Yeah, you know, or I can tell you tweet things. late at night because often... I will wake up in the morning to like six in a row, yeah. <laughs> like jokes that and you've pe- written at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and people and yeah, so I think I miss them. I'm I'm a late night guy. Yeah, so I don't. I, well, it's all hot in action during the day, and then everyone misses what I have to say during the nighttime. <laughs> so uh, so that probably keeps me having less followers, if that's the name of the game. 
But uh, um, it's not about quantity; it's about quality. Yeah. But I also I try not to. I don't retweet that often, and I try not to talk to people. I don't talk to people on there. I send them personal messages. So you won't if you click on my page, you just get a nice list of things to scroll down and read yeah. if you like to read. Also, make sure to follow at shit my dog takes. Yeah. That's Josh's other feed. I don't I don't <laughs> look at that one. Oh, but do follow Cinephile at Cinephile Video because sometimes I'll post uh, something on there. Yeah, in the name of the store. Okay. All right. Uh, so yeah, thanks every thank Josh as always. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for calling me. I'm glad you thought you like it was very last minute, and I was like, oh great. I could get used to this. <laughs> okay, so thanks. Yes, thanks for being here. Um, make sure to donate if uh, it yeah, would really sure. help us. If you did, we got another live show coming up uh, December fourth, I think. I don't know if we ever confirmed that. I'm pretty sure I did. Oh, it's okay. my parents' anniversary, so happy uh, anniversary! Bring, bring them to so the you show. Won't be Fly there. them out here. Oh, right, yeah, absolutely. I might be on there. You know what? I'll put they them on the guest won't list. Be out. They'll probably stay in Tulsa, and I'll just call them. Yeah, I guess. Uh, hey, if you don't have that show filled up December 4th and you needed a guy to drop in, sure, we'll, call someone else. We'll, Just kidding. Call me. We'll <laughs> definitely consider it. Let's okay. put down the mics and talk about this. All absolutely. Right. Absolutely. All right. Thanks well, for all listening. Right. Thanks, guys. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.